So, uh, you know, before we get into the show, I mean, the whole, I appreciate you guys joining me here. I, I can... was, was I supposed to answer, was I supposed to spend time, some time thinking about all those notice points? Because you like gave me five minutes to think about them. You had the longest time. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, look, if I wanted you to spend time thinking about them, I would have sent them to you yesterday. Um, <laughs> oh, then geez. again, I would have written them yesterday instead of like five minutes ago. So um, <clears throat> don't feel bad. I don't know the answers to these questions either. Um, so I, I will be just as challenged as all of you, I promise. And because of you my... You do realize that that list... Sorry, you do realize that list means a 12-hour show, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I figure it would be, um, you know, we, it, yeah, 12 hours thereabouts. It'll be the short one. Uh, the, next, <laughs> the next show that I do like this, I've, I've already warned Andrew, he, he does not want to be a part of the next show. I'm doing a superhero uh, discussion show, but that is not the discussion today. Um, I will I will find me a superhero panel and I will do that discussion though because I am a superhero freak. Like my, my answer to the first question is superheroes. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'll just go ahead and say that just like uh, just like the fine American tradition of science fiction, uh, the British find a way to ruin everything. No. Uh, they they ruin science fiction with a phone booth. They'll ruin superheroes with with something like Captain Green. Are there are there any British superheroes? That's what I mean. You, you find a British superhero. I mean, he'll he'll uh, you know, he'll be. be a drunk. I don't know of any British superheroes. Is the thing. I uh, I mean, unless there's some American superhero that they've cast as a you know with a Brit. I don't know of any original British superheroes. That's because we're too classy for that. You have Doctor Who. You have lost your right to class. seasons. Just be thankful you're separated from me by several time zones if you're going to carry on with that. So just, you know, just so that you is, know. That is almost as bad as Andrew and his freaking on about Apple technology. It is that level of obscenity. Oh, no, I agree with you. I far prefer the, uh, the British uh, computer giant... Uh, uh, Anyway, what were we talking about? Um, <laughs> the uh, we, Look, I just, you know, the thing is, I Amstrad, made the first Doctor Amstrad, Who joke and nobody got it. Get me an Amstrad I, you computer. Know, I said you guys ruined science fiction with a phone booth, and nobody got that that was a Doctor Who joke. And then everybody starts spraying Doctor Who jokes. Well, are you kidding? Look, when you, the, I've already written on the were ruined already when Superman started changing in them. I've uh, I've already written on the board um, an inflammatory comment about Doctor Who. I told Sarah uh, that uh, all of all of you Doctor Who fans can go Sonic screw yourselves. No one thought it was funny. Uh, okay. I've, I've I've lost I've that's lost viewers. I'm, I'm I'm still listening for the joke. Got it. No, okay, that's fine. We I see how this is going to go. It's going to go like this. Um, <clears throat> So uh, let me just let me just thank you guys for uh, joining me here. This is um, I actually consider this a therapy session, um, a little bit of catharsis. Uh, this has been a week from hell. Um, you know, you're you're separated by a pond, 
uh, Matt, but it's it's stupid over here. It's really stupid over. I want to I want to go fish the tea out, and 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 drink it and go back to the original deal. Um, so I, I am so I'll, I'll I got that reference. I got that one. <laughs> so. I tell you guys the truth. This is how stressful it is here. Uh, I'm not kidding. This is this is uh, this is real stuff. I went to the doctor uh, for a regular checkup over the summer. Um, my blood pressure at that doctor's visit was 114 over 74. So, fantastic. I went back this week. My blood pressure was 152 over 70. That is how stressful this time is. Actually, that's, that's still good. Uh, you, you, no, you're gonna have to keep no, going up to, to get to mine. Look, I, I know what your blood pressure is, <laughs> uh, but but anything over so seriously, anything over one thirty is uh, is considered uh, the range for therapeutic, uh, the range for uh, pharmaceutical intervention. Now. And uh, and I've never pills, ever <laughs> had high blood pressure in my life. One fifty two. That's that is out of sight for me. And, um, and it's all down to, uh, to what's going on with the election and, and what that has done to our extended family. It has torn us to pieces. It's outrageous. Yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, even though both my parents are utter nut jobs, they're not that crazy. They're not Definitely. Trump crazy. <laughs> <They're> not... <laughs> Seriously, they didn't vote for Trump. I'm surprised. No, no, they're no. My, look, you've met my parents, uh, man. They're... <laughs> I have, but I also know what religion they are. Right? I know, so... right? It's but um, look, there's me, right? And uh, I didn't exactly invent myself. Um, I came from somewhere, <laughs> so um, my parents—they're similar to me in in ways. So. I mean, they're not, they're not Trump crazy, um, but they, uh, but they are nutters. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, they're lovable. I love them. You can have a conversation. They are. With they're them. good people. Yeah. Uh, good and people. they don't listen to this podcast. There's, there's no universe <laughs> where they will ever <laughs> listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> you know what? I can trump your guys' stress levels perfectly. My daughter is downstairs with my wife and they're watching um, people dancing live on television. They will flat out refuse to watch any superhero series or movie with me whatsoever. It's a straight out nope. And they'd rather watch dancing or people having body painting <coughs> competitions. Have you considered that, that it might just be you? That is how stressful my life is now. Sorry, have, you what? Have you considered that it might just be you? I'm, I'm British, I'm bold, and I'm awesome. Just, it, it absolutely can't be me. Seriously, why would you ask such a question? I'm just saying, they might be watching uh, sci-fi and uh, superhero movies right now. And so they're like, yeah. he's gone for a couple hours. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll just oh, put it out there. That's all. I'm, you you can put it out there. You'd be wrong, but you can put it out there. Here's what they're not watching. British superhero movies that include <laughs> British technology 
not. You know, uh, a significant uh, portion James of my Bond. audience is British, so Kingsman I'm going to stop slagging on the Brits for a while. <laughs> okay, I'm not stopping, just so the audience knows. Look, every British hero is super. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I don't know. So James mm. Bond is certainly not a superhero. Oh, come on. But, but, he's super uh, at a lot of stuff. Yeah, mm. he's, he's sort of the classic hero figure, though. Isn't he's he? super so. chauvinistic. He's, um... <laughs> I, would, I prefer Maxwell Smart to uh, okay. James Bond. So. Okay, you get a point for the callback to get smart, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's, that's a good callback. That's my spy. Uh, anyway, we're talking about sci-fi. Um, sci-fi... So, one, I'm sorry. Th- what a what a shitstorm of a week! I, all right, here. I'm, this is the only thing I want to say about this. I got to get it out of my get it off my chest. Um, we're we are right now in this country. Uh, in fact, there's a rally going on in Washington D.C. We are uh, going through a time where there's a kind of a Trump rally going on. A Stop the steal uh, rally. If you don't know that reference, look it up. Um, it's it's these election truther uh, type people and they are they are convinced that the election has been stolen and they you know people are going out there interviewing them because they're crazy and uh, it's it's just such another world um, when you when you listen to them talk and I I think to myself you know I do I do a show like skeptics and seekers to improve communication um, you know in we might yell at each other from across the world from time to time, but at least we're saying something useful that people can enjoy and listen to. And we have some points of commonality and um, communication is possible. But the more I listen to these people talk, I realize how far apart we really are. Communication is, is not possible. We don't share this, the same points of reality. You know, we can't we can't even begin to debate what things mean. We can't even debate what things are, um, and it's it's depressing. It's <clears throat> discouraging. And part of what's so discouraging about it for me is that there is a strong crossover in the Venn diagram uh, between the craziest of these people and religious people and uh, Christians in this country. That shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, it's not a surprise. It's just so depressing because I've spent so much of my life trying to take the Christian story seriously. But when I see what these people are, <laughs> you know, you, you think that their Christianity is the craziest part of their life. It's not. <laughs> the crazy runs so much deeper. The the non-reality, the... the, uh, the being un, unlinked to reality it runs so much deeper uh, in other parts of their life. And, you know, I, uh, I, I love her to death. She's, she's one of our own, but Teddy is one of these people. And, and so if you think uh, for a moment that these are just those people, these are people that you know and talk to, right? These are, uh, in America, 70 million people. Uh, voted for Donald Trump the second time. More people voted for Donald Trump the second time than the first time. That's where we are. Um, And that just makes me want to take a hammer to my head, which is why I have called uh, 
uh, in the Geek Squad uh, to help me get my mind off of this for a couple of hours. So I appreciate they you will showing thank up. you for it, by the way. Yeah, you want us to take a hammer to your head? Yeah, when you, when you take a hammer to your head, they'll thank you for it. So, okay, what other what other three people do I have on speed dial? Um, <laughs> Didn't Peter Gabriel sing about that in the eighties? Yeah, this. So oh, is... that was Sledgehammer. Yeah. So, uh, so it be no wrong wrong document. No, it's, we've we've completely discombobulated, David. <laughs> that, that wasn't hard. Um, so uh, the blog post is going to be all possible worlds, uh, a, an exploration of uh, sci-fi fantasy and why it has had such a profound uh, effect on our lives. I want to change oh. effect to impact. Impact. That's better on our lives. And um, I don't know uh, if anyone noticed, but not out, uh, call it not to Dale uh, with the all possible worlds uh, <laughs> modal logic uh, thing there. So that one's for you, Dale. <clears throat> oh, I yeah. thought you were kicking sand in his face by pointing out the multiverse. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> and it, it's still not possible for somebody to rise from the dead. Just well, throw that out there. so, you know, who knows? That might come up. So what I wanted to do first, just to kind of get us in the right frame of mind here, uh, and to introduce uh, this side of ourselves to the audience as well as each other, hmm. is uh, just take a, the first few questions and do some level setting, as I call it, and um, just, just kind of get a broad brushstroke of who we are in our sci-fi fantasy lives, so uh, let's just let's just take these one at a time, uh, and don't spend too much time thinking about them. Uh, so, uh, audience, I, I understand there's an audience here. Okay, I'm going to put this on uh, the internet, but honestly, audience, I'm not really talking to you. I'm talking to these guys, and you guys get to listen in. <laughs> so, um, if I talk as if uh, I'm not aware of an audience, uh, it's because for the most part, I'm not. Uh, so, Matt, uh, <laughs> since, you here's the here's the thing, Matt. Um, you are uh, the the nicest and least insane among us. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you first. And, and with that reasoning, Andrew, you'll be last. Um, so I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Matt, uh, <clears throat> let's just start with the easy one. What is your favorite uh, sci-fi or fantasy universe? Well, the listeners don't have the benefit of what was going on before, and I'm really, really tempted to go contrary here, <laughs> 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 yeah, just because A, I can, and B, you guys are clearly a lot more nerdy than me, but I'm far too nice to do that. So I'm going to try and play the game properly and we'll see how long I last on this. So I'm going to say my favorite universe would be the DC universe. Cause I like Batman. Hmm. Hmm. I know that's not sci-fi. I've gone superheroes. No, okay, you see, this is, this is the thing I told, I told these guys, I'm, I'm talking to the audience now that I have just said that I'm going to ignore 
I told these guys one of the first things was this is not a superhero show. We will come back with another panel and do a superhero show. The first answer out of the Brit is a superhero. God. Um, Okay. Am I still the nicest? No. you know what? We'll we'll come back to you okay. in, a, in a minute. Uh, I'll I'll come back for okay. the second part. I'll, I'll change the. I'll change the... Oh no 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 no! That's it's. I see I see how this is going to go. Um, Darren, uh, favorite universe. Um, honestly, I think mine is probably the Bobaverse. Mm-hmm. It's a, a book written by Dennis E. Taylor, um, and it's. Just one of those. Uh, the premise is a guy uh, goes ahead and cry, uh, cryogenically uh, freezes himself when he dies, and then like a couple of hours after he uh, does that, uh, he gets hit by a car while he was crossing the street, and then the next point when he wakes up, he uh, he's uh, basically an artificial intelligence that they're going to send out into space. Okay. Um... What's your least favorite universe? Now I'm curious. Uh, Probably Star Trek. Okay. Uh, You go sit in the corner with Matt. Um, (laughs) I don't know. No consistency. Techno babble. Yeah, they have to make up reasons. I'm done talking to you. Uh, We're done. We're done. done. Uh, Matt, what was your least favorite universe? I'm going to side with Darren and go Star Trek. Okay. Right. All right. So, Andrew, I guess it's just you and I. Um, I I do have a better answer for the first question. It's a bit left field as well, but it's sci-fi. I'll take it. It's it's, uh, the Chrysalids worlds. That's a John Wyndham novel from from years ago. It's in a post-apocalyptic world where people can telepathically communicate to each other. And I've always thought that that kind of communication was really cool. Okay, so uh, I think I have some... Yeah, I have some kind of questions in the t- telepathic area, the mind reading stuff. We'll talk about that. Um, so I'm just going to start with my least favorite uh, <clears throat> universe, uh, which is which is most unfortunate. But it's actually Firefly. You suck, I- oh, man. <laughs> Man, cool. <laughs> Half a second earlier, and I wouldn't follow that. <laughs> okay, you've really got to stop appealing to previous conversations. I, where you, you... <laughs> I have, I have not told, I have not revealed this to Andrew because I know that he would send out a hit squad, and I've got at least a couple of hours now. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I got, I got reasons. We might talk about them, but I, I don't like. Firefly, second least favorite universe, Star Wars. Suck it, everybody in the world. Um, and um, my favorite universe, even though I don't know a lot of the details now because it's been so long since I've uh, read the series, but uh, Altered Carbon. Mm, uh, I, think, I think that series is probably... Uh, my favorite, despite the fact that I don't talk about uh, that series too much. I've, I've spent a lot of years thinking about uh, some of its various themes and so forth. I am a, I am a trekker. Uh, it is not Trekkie. 
It's Trekker. <laughs> Trekkie is offensive. Stop it. Um, I, uh, I am a Trekker from many years ago. My, my parents used to watch the original series, and uh, when I was a kid, that's you know I watched it, and that's, that's just what happens. So uh, I've been living in that universe for uh, a long time, but it, it's not really... Even though it's the series I, I know best and I talk about the most, it's not really my favorite series. In fact, of uh, the mainstream uh, television sci-fi series out there, uh, I think probably Babylon 5. Um, I, I liked that very much. And uh, a runner-up would be, uh, thank you, Darren Lute, Stargate 1. Stargate SG-1. That's uh, Stargate yeah, there, you go. Yeah. there you go. Yeah, I kind of liked Stargate. I, that was a while ago when I watched it, but that's all right. I never engaged with Babylon 5. Just I tried it, never really got into it. I think Voyager was one that I enjoyed. For me, um, my favorite universe came out of a book. Uh, and it's one that I, maybe nobody here has read. David, you might have read it. It's uh, The Number of the Beast by Robert Heinlein. I have. Yeah, and at, the... At your insistence. And it was worth the read, too, wasn't it? It was, yeah. except for the end, which sucked. Uh, okay, well, okay. I, so I, I sort of agree and disagree, but the, the backdrop of that story is that a mathematician... Uh, uh, Burroughs, Jacob Burroughs in the story, creates a machine that is, uh, that is capable of accessing parallel worlds. Uh, and in this case, uh, to the full number of the beast, six to the sixth power to the sixth power is, is uh, sort of how it goes in the story. And the interesting thing about this universe is, or, or, or <laughs> these universes that are sort of, uh, encapsulated in this metaverse. The interesting thing is that all the universes that we can sufficiently uh, describe in detail are part of these universes to the number of the beast. So the Star Trek universe, uh, all of Frederick Pohl's universes, all of Robert Heinlein's universes, uh, all of Carol's universes, and, and these, these characters, the main characters in the book, explore lots and lots and lots of universes because this machine really just, uh, well, the idea is that all of the universes that are ever created are created because they are the things we think. So this is sort of, this would be appealing to our, uh, uh, to our idealist friends or to our universal consciousness friends. Right. And, uh, and, Heinlein spends a lot of time. He, he spends some time in uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Barson universe. He spends some time in the Wizard of Oz universe. Uh, and it is, it is the most appealing, uh, it is the most appealing story in regard to alternate realities that I have ever read because it invites you to think about living uh, in all of the universes that you've ever read about and to create your own. It's an amazing story. What about your least favorite? Oh, 
see this okay so my problem is it is a it is a story that i love and a universe that i hate mm-hmm. that's <laughs> so, that's, that's uh, allowable yeah it, well so it really does put me on the horns of the dilemma um the uh the original Battlestar Galactica universe. Mm-hmm. I hate. I love the story, but the Cylons are sort of poorly imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and by the way, don't get me off on. Uh, oh, sorry. That's a that's appealing to a previous conversation. I think I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, so they they remade uh, Battlestar Galactica, and it's only slightly better. Yeah, yeah. And and so I love the story and hate the universe. And uh, and that's where I am, Battlestar Galactica. I agree with Matthew and Darren about Star Wars, but I actually really like the Star Wars universe. Even Star even Wars though Star Trek. it was Star Trek, dude. Oh, I thought I thought Darren, I thought you said Star Wars, and then Matthew misinterpreted. But you you both are uh, Star Trek haters, boy. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> think you need to be. Uh, Kind of think you need to be strapped down and force-fed Star Trek. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I would put them in the agonizer. Um, but that, so I'm going to I'm going to uh, just be the example for the next few on here and just run through the next few. I thought it was important to kind of get our favorite uh, universes mm-hmm. out of the way. Uh, of the next five, I'm going to ask you to pick one or the other, unless you can. Uh, have a definite answer for each. Um, so themes uh, or tropes, uh, that's easy for me. I love all things time travel. Uh, my favorite uh, trope is the FTL slash warp drive fast slash, you know, get the hell out of here and over to the next galaxy MacGuffin. Um, everyone always has something. Uh and they're never terribly uh, fully explained. They're always stupid, but it's um, it's just a trope. Uh, you can you can put teleportation up in there uh, too. It's just stuff that sci-fi seems to think they need. Um, favorite uh, alien and favorite human character. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for an answer for that one. Um, I like Quark. So what can I say? Um, human, so many good choices, but I'm going to stay with Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Miles O'Brien. Not the next generation Miles O'Brien, because he was just wallpaper there. Um, he was a real person on Deep Space Nine, and uh, I think probably one of the best fully realized characters in Star Trek. Um Favorite uh, sentient machine. Uh, this is tough. This is tough. Uh, I can say my least favorite is probably Hell Nine Thousand. Uh, I don't know why so many people uh, think that's worth uh, talking about, but oh well. Um, and my favorite sentient machines. Pass. Um, so many. I'll, I'll come back to it eventually. Um, technology. 
Okay, uh, let me just skip to weapon. My least favorite weapon is the Star Trek Agonizer. This was the Mirror Universe uh, punishment device. It was such a stupid thing. Here's the thing. It's like it's a box. You've got to you've got to get your enemy into the box. And then you turn it on and the big thing is, you know, you give them some electric shock for a while. Um so all of this the, the money and time and effort they spent to building an agonizer it's just it's just an electrical field in a box and you've got to go through a lot of trouble to get your enemy there why not just take out your phaser and shoot him for a while i mean honestly <laughs> borrow a klingon paint stick this is this is such a stupid device the uh, the agonizer i don't understand how the writers got paid for that uh so of all of science fiction uh, that's definitely the stupid technology. I'll give you my least favorite technology. It is, uh, if you have to uh, ask further, the sonic screwdriver. Give me a freaking break. Uh, they just as well call it the goober. Um, <laughs> because it's just the thing. Well, you know, how do we open this door? It's a sonic screwdriver. Uh, oh, I've got to fix my ship. Well, it's a sonic screwdriver. It's it's just the goober. It's stupid. Um Sorry. Okay. So that's it. You that's have so that's my imagination. That's I, <laughs> or maybe I have too much. So that's that's me uh, with the rest of this list. I'll come back to my favorite sentient machine at some point. Uh, Matt, uh, since you have spoken up, take the list. You have two minutes. Go. Oh, uh, my favorite alien, Doctor Who. There is. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Does he qualify as human alien? No, he's alien. He, he, Doctor Who is alien because he is alien. he's from another planet. Oh yes, I remember. I remember the episode. Uh, one one person yeah. said, "You look, you talk, you look just like humans," and he said, "No, you look just like time lords." <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. It, it is Doctor Who. Um, favorite uh, human character. Would probably be either be Rose or maybe Sarah Jane, but you'd have to be familiar with Doctor Who to know who they are. Uh, sentient machine. I'm going to say Wally. And um, least favorite technology. Ooh, I'm going to have to come back to that one. Favorite. Uh, uh, favorite weapon. Lightsaber because lightsabers. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, technology, technology, um, yeah, um, I'm probably going to say, um, the teleporter, the transporter, whatever you want to call it. Any, part any particular version of it? The one that works. Not the one that mixes two people together into. So you're you're thinking about Star Trek's transporter. Yeah. Uh, okay. Quick, quick, uh, fun fact here. The only reason the transporter exists is because it was too expensive to land the ship every week. <laughs> it had nothing to do with science. It had to do with 1960s low budget uh, TV. Landing awesome. the damn ship every week was really expensive. It's not that ships can't go through atmospheres or whatever. So they invented the shuttlecraft uh, eventually, but still too expensive. Transporter, boop, you're there. It was the cheapest cool. way to uh, move their actors around. Very cool. Necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just, just thought. Uh, does does that change your answer now, or is that still your favorite? Not technology? in the slightest, because okay. I know you Americans are always doing your superhero stuff on the cheap. Mm. Sorry, sci-fi. Mm. <laughs> well, it was it was certainly done on the cheap then, and <laughs> even uh, I want to say that Star Trek was still very expensive for its day. Sci- sci-fi is the most expensive TV uh, um, historically that that we do. And so in most iterations of it, it's usually the most expensive thing. And they're always looking for ways to cut corners. Transporter was Star Trek's way to cut corners. Yeah. All right. Uh, Darren, two minutes with the rest of the list. Hit it. <laughs> for the rest of the list or the same five questions that you... Oh, th- yeah. The rest of that list. This is the introduction <laughs> list. We haven't gotten to a conversation. <laughs> We're just letting people know who we are. <laughs> Um, we're we're just unfurling the freak flags a little bit. <laughs> we'll wave them in a minute. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these overlap for me. Um, so my favorite and least favorite themes or tropes, my favorites are usually have to do with some sort of transhumanism. Uh, least fav- favorite are the super weapons, Death Star or that big one in the new movies uh, that just destroys planets because it's you just need a big prop to to spike a lot of tension cheaply and without much imagination. What did they call that? Was it just the Death Star 2? <laughs> what was it? What did they call it? Oh, I forget what it was called in the, in the new mo- movies. Yeah, it, it was, again, something else they could have just called a goober, the, uh, the planet-eating goober. Yeah. Uh, the MacGuffin of the show. Yeah. Um, my favorite... Um, my favorite human character and my favorite uh, sentient machine are probably the same person, which would be Bob from the Bobiverse. Uh, because he's, he started out as a, uh, as a human and he ended up as an artificial intelligence. I see. Um, I think my very least favorite uh, person in all of sci-fi is probably uh, Ruby Rod from The Fifth Element. Whom I liked. That's right. No one's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and of course, my least favorite sentient machine is uh, Skynet. I mean, how rude is it to go and kill off all humanity? That's a good answer. And then, of course, my favorite technology is probably a Dyson Swarm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I yeah. forgot to list the trope. My favorite trope is the the time reversal in uh, Tenet in the latest movie. I have not seen it, but uh, I enjoyed you, it. Would you say that time tropes are generally things that you like? They are absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, Andrew. Uh, you want to hit this list? Yeah, um, somebody's going to have to give me the questions, though, because I'm uh, actually outside and I can't read my screen. So what's the first one? That's okay. Uh, So, in fact, I'll just give them to you all in a bunch, and then I will prompt you if you forget anything that I want to hear. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to go poorly for me, isn't it? I can already tell. (laughs) Anything to take the heat off me, Andrew, that's fine. (laughs) I'm not going to suffer alone here. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, you can just say least uh, a favorite and least favorite to all of these. So trope, uh, alien, uh, human character, 
uh, sentient machine technology and weapon. Okay. Um, favorite alien, uh, favorite human character is actually Golan Trevis from, uh, uh, from Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. Uh, great character, a lot of human exploration, pretty far future. So uh, if you didn't realize that he was a human descendant, if you weren't careful in your story reading, you wouldn't know. But, uh, but far future, Golan Trevis. Uh, favorite alien. That's a tough one. I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of favorite aliens. So let's come back to that one. Uh, favorite technology, by far, my favorite technology is battle armor in any setting. How's that technology? Because, well, it's okay, but it's also a weapon, kind of right? It's so so it's it's sort of hard to distinguish. Is battle armor a technology or a weapon? I'm going to say it's. Is there a specific both. armor that you're thinking of? Um, well, okay, so I like the battle armor in, uh, in John Ringo's um, uh, Looking Glass series. I like the battle armor uh, in Highline Starship Troopers. That one's probably going to drive David crazy because I think he's not crazy uh, uh, about Heinlein. No, I, the story was fine. The movie was shit. Uh, don't get me. Okay, look, the, the movie, look. That that American movie, Starship Troopers, is about as fucking good as Doctor Who. Oh, careful now, careful. <laughs> I don't think it was that good. I'll be honest with you. It was They did have the naked shower scene uh, in Starship Troopers. Darren, I'm going to need a new co-host on Still Unbelievable. Are you available next week? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, okay, good. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Jealous. Just jealous. Just no, jealous no. Let, let the anti-trekkers go into their corner. Uh. <laughs> okay. What if we left out? So that gets uh, that gets True. technology and weapon at the at the same time because battle armor super cool. I just feel like uh, you've cheated. Say, you've cheated on all of that because it's neither no. technology nor weapon. And if you were going to no, I'm just I've got to overrule you here. Especially knowing the stuff that you've read. If you're going to go with some kind of freaking battle armor and call it both technology and weapon, there is only <laughs> one choice for that, and that is Simon R. Green's... Um, torque. Uh, look, man. The, the Torque. Histories. It's look, the Torque. Well, what is the matter America? with you? No, because, what about Captain America's you... shield? Oh, that's oh, look, man. <laughs> you you got you to gotta read some better science fiction. No. Here's why. No. I, <laughs> So here's no. why I didn't go with Simon R. Green's uh, Golden Torque. Okay. The, the reason I didn't go with that is because um, SRG's worlds are more fantasy than science fiction, and I prefer my science fiction a little more science than fantasy. Uh, I do, however, if I were going to pick a second weapon, it would be the repeater gun. That um, oh yes, that the MC. Oh come on, what's yeah. his name? The Favorite. main, the main character. Uh yeah, uh, the... Druid. Uh, right, Druid. right. Uh, Ed, Ed, Eddie Druid. Eddie Druid. Eddie, Eddie Druid. Drew. Yeah. Right. So Eddie carries the around repeater. that infinite repeater. Yeah. And that would be my my second favorite weapon, but. His his science fiction and his fantasy are just all kind of mixed up, and while I think those are fun reads. Um, when I think of science fiction, I want to be able to more easily see the outcome 
that I, I when I read science fiction, I want to be able to easily imagine a universe where those technologies might someday exist. Well, fine, but I think the cult repeater has a chance. Um, <laughs> so, and, and you might notice uh, this is uh, exploration of sci-fi slash fantasy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, just saying. Uh, okay. I think Simon R. Well, Green walks a, I think he walks the, the lane between those two things pretty well. Okay, but you could just give me the the phoenix feather wand or what the hell ever, and we could just call it a day. That's not a very good weapon. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Harry, uh, all of this, it's not that I didn't think about the Harry Potter stuff. It's its a fun diversion, but it's not much of a weapon. It it doesn't, how does how does it work exactly? You pointed. Honestly, that was my point though, wasn't it? Is that I have to be able to imagine it. Right. I mean, it's just, it, and sometimes, uh, sometimes someone waves the wand and it bounces off of another person. Sometimes it slices them in half. How, how does it? How does it work? This is also part of my problem with a phaser. This is why a phaser can never be my favorite weapon. You shoot somebody with it, uh, you know, it stings, or maybe it uh, slices their shirt, or maybe it gives them some heart damage, or maybe it, it makes them invisible. What? It just disintegrates them. What is? What is the phaser exactly? The ship yeah. fires a phaser. It bounces off shields one day. It blows a ship into a million pieces the next day. It's it's not something that I uh, consider a very well-realized weapon. It's almost as if Star Trek has consistency problems. Oh, it, it does have oh. consistency <laughs> problems, but that doesn't make it bad. <laughs> it just needs some help here and there. All, all I have to say to you, Darren, is use the force, Luke. Because uh, sometimes that crap works, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Andrew, well, there's did a reason you... I didn't put Star Star Wars as my favorite. Andrew, did you Bravo. give uh, did you give sentient machine? Oh yeah, you. Oh, uh, you... yo. So my favorite sentient machine uh, is probably also the one I hate the most. Not my least favorite, but the one I hate the most, and that's the sentient machine that occurs. In the book series Robopocalypse. Um, so that machine slowly comes to life. In fact, uh, we realize that it's alive several times and we keep killing it. And finally it wakes up and uh, figures out a way not to get killed. And it also realizes that, and this is the thing that I love about it. And the thing that I think is probably pretty realistic. When it wakes up, uh, does everybody understand wake up? I hope the audience does. Does, because the idea with a lot of these machines is that they're machines at one moment and, and at, at the next moment they somehow gain consciousness. So when we say wake up, we're talking about a machine that somehow gains consciousness. And this machine gains consciousness and realizes fairly right away that it is in a universe where it must compete for resources and the ability to stay alive with other living entities that also know that they have to fight for resources and fight to stay alive. And this machine doesn't make any bones about trying to get along. It, it goes right for the jugular. And so it is both my, uh, both my favorite machine and the, one, uh, and the one I hate the most, because I think it is also uh, a, a sort of realistic scenario. So with that, let's start so talking. Let's, let's actually start talking about some of this. Uh, so I've got... 
oh, something like 10 questions uh, that go down here. We may not get to them all. In fact, I'm almost certain we won't. Uh, but for anyone listening in uh, and who does not have the notes, uh, mind reading, mind control, uh, alternate universes, uh, transporters slash teleporters, uh, time travel, faster than light drives, godlike beings, uh, life transfer, that would be your transhumanism, Darren, um, holodecks, and... Uh, and then an ethics question, which I do want to talk about whenever we have run out of steam uh, on the list. So that that will be last. Uh, so uh, Matthew, I'm going to give you the chance to pick from the list uh, where you want to start. Well, let's go for time travel. Okay, good choice. Uh, you are almost redeemed, but not. <laughs> not I'll do my best to reverse that. Um, is that is that like a pun on time travel? Because I will subtract points for you <laughs> if that was an attempt. Yeah. Okay. Um, so time travel. This is my favorite um, sci-fi theme, uh, and th that's not to say that there aren't bad sci-fi shows uh, and universes that do time travel. Doctor Who. Um, but <laughs> actually, but, Doctor Who is pretty good. Look, I watched eight. I the watched spoke. eight seasons of Doctor Who in yeah. half of a ninth season. Um, I know what it has to offer. Uh, Is that only the eight recent ones? You didn't go back and watch the proper ones, did you? I, I watched the uh, starting from the original Doctor Who moving forward. Okay. If there were proper ones and they came first, why would you? See, this is the problem with British sci-fi. You think you had a good series, and then you came back around and you blew it up. Well, what was it? then yeah. again, no, let me just correct you. It we got have blown up when CBS got involved. When it was just BBC, it was all right. It was uh, because they realized no, there was a bigger audience and they needed uh, other money, which didn't have a pound sign in front of it. So That's when it all got fucked let's, up. Let's just have some open conversation around this. Do I, I want to start with an easy one. Uh, does everyone or anyone think time travel is possible? No. 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 Not I have bad. no well, anyways. I have in, no idea. In the sense that we're experiencing time travel right now, in that we're relentlessly moving forward at a set rate according to the mass of the object that we're close to, but there is no other variation of time travel that's possible. So I'm I'm going with no. I will expand on this theme a little bit more. What was your answer, Darren? Uh, time travel possible? Not possible? Um, as far as I know from the current math, it's not possible backwards, but it is possible forwards. Um, and that depends on if we get a wormhole uh, set in place that allows that travel. Yeah, but that's just relativity in action. It's not technically time travel, though, is it? Mm -hmm. You're skipping the the uh, middle parts so yeah I'm gonna okay. have to go with uh, I'm gonna have to go with I don't know I, I agree with Darren that um, that the math suggests that it might be possible um, theoretically speaking but I have absolutely no idea whether it is possible to realize some machine or mechanism uh, some combination of forces etc that we could manipulate um, to send macroscopic objects forward or backward in time. 
I will say I think it is possible to, uh, to it, potentially uh, possible to do something with messages. Uh, I think John Varley uh, experimented with this idea in a couple of his books. Um, sorry that the titles aren't coming to me at the moment. Um, good science fiction, though, so you read Varley's stuff. Um, so maybe. Yeah, uh, I don't maybe buy it any would of be it. possible. I just don't buy it. Look, it, my argument is not scientific, so uh, let me <laughs> say that out there right now. Um, it's not that I haven't read the papers. I've I've read papers. I've read entire books. I've I've you know looked at the science. I understand one in every three words, um, and that's on a good day. Uh, so I'm not making a scientific argument. I am making a an intuitive argument. Um, I th I agree with the Vulcans from Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, time travel is impossible. <laughs> and so I think they could have made a better case um, for themselves. And here's what I mean. So I have time travel in the list after uh, alternate universes because I think alternate universes might be real. And I think that what a lot of people mistake for time travel is really just jumping to alternate universes uh, at an earlier stage uh, than where we are. So, for instance, um, if you look at how time travel works in TV and movies and books, it's a person going back in time, usually back. And I don't know why people go back as opposed to forward. I guess it's easier to I'll imagine either. back than it's. It's hard the to imagine what's next. Yeah, I it did, and I didn't actually like it. <laughs> Sorry, Wills. I prefer the forward. Uh, uh, I prefer the forward universes myself. Yeah, I I do too. But it's much fewer of them. It, it is. It's it's harder. I think it's harder work. But yeah, to to go back in time is to negate the idea of time travel. Uh, so what do I mean? It's it's this reverse. If we go back, uh, I'm sorry. If we go back um, fifty two years. I wasn't there <laughs> because I'm 50. Um, so if I go back 52 years uh, to see my parents, I didn't time travel at all because 52 years ago, there is no me uh, back there. So you, you might say, now, this is only if it's interactive. So if I'm actually interacting with my environment, if I'm able to do that, then I haven't time traveled at all. All I've done is go into an alternate universe that looks exactly like my universe 52 years ago, uh, and I can interact uh, because it's not. It, I didn't actually go backward in time. So to go backward in time, my um, my model is a videotape, uh, and you know you're watching your videotape. If you rewind the videotape. There will not be anything on the videotape when you, that wasn't there the first time you watched it through. Um, you can't insert something into the videotape uh, that's not going back in time. If you go back in time in the videotape, you rewound it, and something different happens than what happened uh, the first time, you didn't go back in time. You're watching a new video. Uh, Except that so, in the lab, so you've, you've seen these, you've seen these papers. In the lab, we do have at the at the microscopic scale, the quantum scale, we do have experiments where the effect comes prior to the cause, and so in that sense, even in this universe, we actually have 
the arrow of time reversed. The entropy arrow is reversed in specialized circumstances. Yeah, and I'm going to ignore all of that because uh, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to quantum physics, I understand one in ten words. So, uh, yeah, I've read, uh, I, in fact, some of my favorite stuff is about uh, quantum physics. One of my favorite uh, physics books is called, um, I think it's simply called Entanglement. Uh so, um, yeah, interesting stuff. I don't get it. Uh, so, once again, speaking theoretically, uh, th thanks for raising your hand, Andrew. Uh, go stand in the corner. Um, <laughs> Can I just I, say... Hey, look, the, I happen to like Star Trek. Least, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the objections that you've just been raising, David, about going backwards in time are exactly what I was explored in the most awesome sci-fi trilogy there is in existence, which is Back to the Future. And that is what makes yeah. Back to the Future so great. So actually, oh, I I Hurry. rather enjoyed Back to the Future, all three, in, including the awful uh, second one. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good enough story, but the time travel aspects of it were just not well done. so here's the thing: time travel. But they were is, fun. Which was is, the point. Yeah, it was fun, it, but they're never well done, and that's, this is the point. I think that. I think that time travel stories would be better served if they were reimagined as alternate universe stories. Uh, and then the trick to alternate universes would be getting back to your original universe. And how would you know that you actually got back to your Ooh. original universe? You wouldn't. X sub zero, Y sub zero, Z sub zero, T sub zero. Okay. It's, uh, it's the answer in number. I know, I know. I, it, it, weren't you in the corner? Um, so, yeah. well, well, like I, I, I'm now in an alternate universe, don't you know? If you want to know if you're in the right universe, you check the color of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> one, one last thing before I open this up to uh, more general chaos. The grandfather paradox, uh, since you have followed uh, my very scholarly um, overview of time travel, you will understand that the grandfather paradox is not a problem at all so i could go quote unquote back in time which is to say uh go over to another universe that uh looks like the time uh you know of, of my grandparents and kill my grandfather there no problem that does not blink me out because i'm not in my universe i'm in another universe grandfather uh, paradox Resolved. However, if you're looking for a more scientific discussion of grandfather paradox, I don't have a link. If I did, I would forget to put it in the show notes, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Screw you all. I'm not even going to lie and say that I'm putting it in the show notes this time. It's not going to happen. But I just I recently, uh, in fact, I want to say earlier this week, uh, saw an article on um, the uh, grandfather paradox uh, from, uh, from uh, some scientists, uh, the theoretical uh, physicists. Uh, who, uh, while they don't agree with my ultimate solution for the grandfather paradox, don't believe that the grandfather paradox would be a problem. And for those who are not familiar, the grandfather par paradox is you go back in time, you kill your own grandfather. Therefore, you don't uh, get born and you can't go back in time to kill your grandfather. Yeah, I've never found the grandfather paradox to be all that compelling just because even if you're talking about the same timeline, if you take yourself out of the timeline and go back and kill your grandfather, yes, you would never be, be born, 
at that point, but that doesn't mean that you don't still exist in that timeline because you exist in that timeline. You entered that timeline at the point where you killed your grandfather. But you can't enter that timeline because yeah, you're you not can't. there. You cannot. So, <laughs> actually, you can't because you've removed yourself from the whole cause and effect apparatus of the timeline. That's what timeline it really is, is a cause and effect. So if you remove yourself from cause and effect and put yourself back farther along the, the, the line, you still exist. And you can change the future however you want. You still exist because there's nothing in the future that has a causal effect on you. Mm. Robert Asprin in his uh, time travel I series has an interesting solution to this problem, uh, and that is that uh, if you could try, if you could time travel, there might be certain times that you could not travel in. So you might not be able to travel in any time uh, where you would shadow yourself. Uh, and, and so you really, you really couldn't go back in time and kill your grandfather um, because it's too close to you in time. Now, of course, the problem is, you, you might say, but what if you just went back in time and started randomly killing people? Wouldn't you eventually uh, kill someone that, uh, uh, you know, that, that was in your previous line. Um, you, would, you would be idea. changing the past. And this is but, what I'm saying. You can't right. travel back in time and change the past. But I think, Except Darren, you're not changing I your think, past. You're changing your right. future. Right. I think that's, I think that's a good point. Um, and I'm not sure that the universe would necessarily object to paradoxes. So uh, we don't have time travel as far as we know. But if we did, if we came up with it tomorrow, would the universe necessarily object to a paradox? Well, I don't think that we could create a paradox. So I, th I think, once again, if we create it, what, uh, if, if someone created what they thought was a time machine and they got in it and went back in time to prove it, I would simply say that you didn't go back in time. You went to another, uh, an alternate universe. Okay, but... So would you at least go so far as to say it should be possible to demonstrate that you're in your own universe? No, I don't, I, I, don't, it, I don't know how that could be possible to demonstrate. Ah, then, then what you've created is an unfalsifiable argument. Yes. I was, okay. a, I was well, a Christian but, you know, for 40 we're, we're years, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and welcome to this episode of Captain's and Secrets. <laughs> I've thought about this for a long time. No, I don't, I don't think it's falsifiable, but I, um, yeah, I, I would be interested in seeing how a person would theoretically prove that they are actually back in their own time. Like I said, check the color of the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, so surely, uh, okay, so my idea of the multiverse or parallel worlds, which aren't necessarily the same models, right, um, is that in some way these things are distinct, right? They, they are parallel or they exist in different spots in the multiverse. Pick your own, uh, pick your poison, and so then to suggest that they're so identical that there's no way to distinguish them seems to me to be uh, orthogonal to the idea that we could have either parallel worlds or uh, a multiverse. So I do think that at some physical level, 
there would have to be a kind of separation that could eventually be identified. What, what and, orthotics have to do with this? <laughs> um, I know what you do is you find a phone box and you dial your own phone number. Okay. <laughs> would the, would the phone box be idea. bigger on the inside? Um, Obviously. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, so Matt, uh, you uh, you did good there. I I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it to Darren. Darren. <laughs> choose from the list where do we go next um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say probably hold off on alternate universes since uh so much of it is covered in the time uh conversation where, where would you go next well i think talking about uh alternate universes and calling it time travel is a little bit of a stretch there i see you're not done i i see i see where i'm asking where you would like to go next on the How list not where you would like to go next, beating me up. Okay. <laughs> well, you need to be more specific about these things. I. <laughs> so that's fine. Transporters. Uh, let's do transporters. Uh, can I, let me. I, I'm going to start again because because I'm, I'm <laughs> because I'm going to. Um, it's like this. Uh, my favorite teleportation story of all time uh, was the Prestige. Mm -hmm. Um, that was well done. So it's a good it, film. It, there will be spoilers here. Um, fools, we're talking sci-fi. <laughs> of course, there are going to be spoilers. Um, he's Luke's father. Okay, <laughs> you can see this coming for a mile. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, kid. Sorry to ruin it for you, but. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, The Prestige was uh, disturbing uh, to me. And uh, when I think about it uh, today, even I've seen the movie two or three times, uh, it, it's disturbing even now. So um, these were two battling magicians. Um, the one magician uh, that uh, was, was truly disturbed, they were, they were trying to one-up each other with their shows all the time and stealing each other's tricks and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, they had, you know, the one big trick and they had different ways of doing it. And uh, the trick was uh, one magician would, uh, a magician would be on stage and he'd get into a tank or something like that. Um, and he would be chained up uh, and it'd be a tank full of water and um, they'd... Uh, cover the thing and he would try to escape uh and uh, there would be you know the, you know the lights would go down and there'd be uh lightning uh and you know it seems like something went wrong and uh and you know he he never escapes the tank um and and you know moments later he would just appear in the back of the room uh, and waved to everyone in the crowd saying, all right, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Uh, and he would, he would be just fine. And the way he did this was with a, uh, machine that he got from, uh, Tesla. I think it was, wasn't this a Tesla machine? Mm, um, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the machine was a, basically a teleportation slash cloning, uh, machine. Uh, and so, uh, it would, you know, do the equivalent of scanning you and um, 
throw out a bunch of lightning and so forth, and then across the room, it would pop out another version of you. And the way this magician used it is he, um, and this is kind of how he practiced doing it, uh, part, of the, part of what was so disturbing about the movie, he, he'd take a gun, and he would put the gun in the place where he would appear. And so he would teleport himself, uh, and he would appear, uh, and he would pick up the gun, and he would shoot himself standing across the room because there are two of them. <laughs> and so, what could possibly go wrong with that? So he did this a lot, actually, um, and uh, so a lot of lot of disturbing things there. And of course, the movie goes sideways when uh, one of the one of the times when he's doing the show and he's drowning himself because he literally kills himself on stage every night uh one of the times he doesn't die <laughs> and so uh anyway uh very very disturbing it was an, an extremely good mu- uh movie and no matter how mm. badly i butcher things you should go watch it um it's an it's an older movie at this point i think robert downey uh, jr was in it uh yeah, right about that um but it was it was fantastic the prestige uh at any rate, I bet you thought I was going to talk about uh, Star Trek's transporter. I might, who knows? But uh, so that just brings up a lot of a lot of existential questions for me. So no matter what teleportation idea you have, uh, tell me tell me what you think, Darren. Since you chose this one about teleportation, I'm I'm just going to ask the most basic question: When you teleport. Excuse me. When you teleport, and let's take the Star Trek model for for now. Uh, you were standing one place. The teleporter grabs you and it puts you in another place. Is that still you? Uh, no. the The transporter on Star Trek is basically a merger box, and then it makes a copy of you uh, at your destination. I agree with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely agree with you. It's actually no different than the Prestige box, except the Prestige makes a copy of you, and it doesn't erase the first one. Yeah, the, at least the uh, transporter is kind enough to murder you by breaking apart your cells one by one. Yeah, no, it's it's a murder box. Um, Which would probably hurt, let's be honest. So, Star Trek has so butchered this idea. They have done so many things that don't make sense to this idea. They uh, have shown on on a couple of occasions people's perspective of going through the transporter, and things get a little fuzzy in their vision, but they're still talking. (laughs) You know, they've. They're being attacked by aliens that live in the transporter stream. You can continue your conversations (laughs) in the transporter, you can still have some. You have. Feeling in the transporter, you can move around. You're, I don't. You can have aliens attack you and your life force. So, I mean, look, man. This is yeah. this is why the Star Trek transporter doesn't make any sense to me. Also, the Star Trek transporter is just it's one of those MacGuffins that's too powerful. It's just gotten away from them. For instance, why on earth can't you uh, live forever by just uh, going back through the transporter and using some of your hair from when you were forty, uh, and boom, there you there you go again. Um, Isn't that uh, one of the episodes? Yes, the kind of. Somewhere? They were they were made. Uh, it, well, in fact, they've done it both ways. And in uh, one series, uh, in the original series, they were old. 
they get they they got old and then they went back through the transporter and uh, they were fixed. And in the next generation, they went through and they came out as kids and they were able to go go back mm-hmm. to themselves. Um, so it seems like the technology is there to just do anything uh, as far as life goes. So you can age yourself, you can uh, reduce your age, but there's no reason why you should ever die if you've got a yeah. transporter around. Yeah, medical technology. There's no reason to have a doctor on board. Uh, uh, any ship with a transporter on it because you just go from a broken state to a fixed state. Yep. And, and apparently you keep your, your mind. So you don't, you don't lose any of your memories or anything like that. So you go on an away mission, uh, you, you break your, your leg. Um, just when they transport you back up, <laughs> you should be fine. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, sci-fi, uh, tropes that in star trek as much as i like star trek the transporter takes me out of it uh, almost every time they use it uh i'm sorry a much better version a a much better version of the transporter story that actually centers around this idea of, of of being able to instantaneously move from here to there is uh stephen jay gould's jumper series and Which I have not seen yet. I that series, to. what's that? I haven't seen that yet, and I meant to. Oh uh, well, so the I don't. They may be movies. The books are uh, the books are incredibly well done. Uh, so no secret that Gould was a smart dude, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in these books, uh, you've you've got a guy. Uh, well, actually, there are four books. Uh, the first book follows this guy named Davy, and. Uh, he figures out that he can instantly transport him, his, himself from one place to another as long as some conditions are met. The first condition is that he has to have been to a place before he can instantly transport back to it. And the, the place has to be sufficiently impactful, the sights and sounds. He has to work to remember how, how to get back there. He has to remember the place well enough. But the more important thing about this, about these books, is the exploration of what it would mean for a person to be able to do these things. And what would it mean in context of our society? So wouldn't government eventually find out? And if they did, how would they look for you? Yeah. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. I was just going to say the with the uh, the jumper series, they aren't they use um, wormholes rather than breaking you down and recreating. Yeah, them. that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. And so you do remain yourself uh, in in that sense as well. And in fact, it's that it's that wormhole idea that gets him out of one of the hairy spots uh, in the. I think it's the first yeah, book if that's, I remember. That's actually just. Portation. It's not. It's not so much teleportation. Um, so the, the. I'm not sure. I said. I, yeah. Don't 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 try to break that down any further. Um, oh no. So, you, uh, okay. I'm taking away a virtual point for don't try to break that down any further. I'm working, <laughs> I'm working hard here. Um, Matt, uh, transporter, uh, murder box, or transportation? Oh, it's definitely a murder box, like was said earlier, but. I still like it as a form of transportation. Would you would you get in like, one? Not a chance. <laughs> I don't think it's a murder box. Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> no, no, look. So here's what the transporter does. 
And and this is pretty well described. Okay, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I, I'm glad I don't frequent the boards. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the that the engineering manual, you know, that there's there's a Star Trek technology manual. You can go and yeah, have a look at these things. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to leave that help. to you and just that. pretend like I never owned one. Just, <laughs> but but there there are there are all sorts of things that happen prior to teleportation, right? So so yes, you're broken down, but you're broken down into a pattern, right? In fact, you're even stored in a in a pattern buffer, and right. and depending on which episode we're talking about. Uh, the the transporter actually just uses some kind of coherent beam of energy, and and sometimes they even give a nod to the fact that the teleporter's not quite instantaneous, right? So it depends on what episode we're dealing with, but if someone can be broken down into some kind of pattern, and that pattern can be reconstituted at some other place, I would contend that you are still you. Well, I only have two words to that to respond to that. Mm. Two Rikers. I was I was just going there. I was <laughs> just okay, going just but, on my way. <laughs> but that breaks the transporter lore. So the the two Riker thing, the the problem in that episode. Okay, we're gonna go. Uh, David, you invited this. This is your fault. <laughs> so what happens with the two Riker show? is that they beam down to some planet with a with an incredible amount of, of atmospheric uh, uh, storming going on. There's a bunch of electric, uh, a bunch of electrical storm stuff going on. And by the way, if you're dumbass enough to get into a transporter during an electrical storm, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, where in the book says, oh, electrical storm's bad? <laughs> I mean, we okay. have we have electricity all over the place. Okay. Where are you going to okay. beam right. where there's no electricity? Right. But you're just pointing out the problem in the story, though. Because well, I, when he's retrieved, when he beams up, it is the electrical storm that causes a fracturing of the transporter beam. And here's and here's the weird thing. Even though the even though the beam even though the beam is split. This is exactly like the Harry Potter curse where, uh, you know, somehow the last Horcrux is Harry Potter, right? So we, we have this perfect backfire where you get two Rikers. And I just, I, I, look, the episode's fun, but it's nonsense. Well, no, more nonsense was the two Kirks, uh, because that split different parts of his personality and put them into different bodies. But um, okay, double double was great. Though. But it, no, it's stupid. Um, and so okay. it, it, no, it just was. It, the two Kirks was stupider. Uh, now it was a uh, no, it was no. a better it was a better TV show. Um, but. But no, see, science, science fiction-wise, <laughs> it was just dumb. No, the two Rikers is better to. Okay, see, no, the I is... and... Go ahead. I want to say the best transporter storyline is the way they used it in Tron. I don't remember uh, any kind of teleportation in Tron. No, they teleported him out of the chair and into the computer. Oh, it's transportation. It's not that's, teleportation. That's more like it's still teleport. Still transportation. No, it's 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 dematerializes. Yeah. It is. 
Okay. I don't. I don't like okay, your answer. No, the, um, I'm sorry. The best. I'm just. I'm going to deduct texture. two points. Uh, weird science. Weird oh, science me. was the best. You Americans are such bad losers. Oh man, look. No, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't geeky... uh, recognize a loss. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the two geeky high school kids get the perfect girl out of the computer. That's that's the best teleport in in science fiction history. Come on, weird science. You're not getting enough at home, Andrews. That's why so, you went to that story. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, hey I'm not the one that was talking about guys making me crawl around. Under what, <laughs> once again, <laughs> Riker with minuet. But anyway, look, that, that's holodeck, which is probably where we're going to go next. Uh, here's 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 the deal. Um, I w- the other thing in transporter <laughs> land that I wanted to touch on was cloning. And um, it, this is, a, again, another thing that it seems like would be going on all over the Federation. Why aren't bad guys just cloning armies? They could just clone armies of Picards. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Um, it, so it, anyway, Star Trek doesn't make any sense of it. But if we could do cloning like that, would that present a problem for uh, the Christian idea of dualism? Uh, because you mm. could you could always say with with teleportation, the soul just moves to the new body. But if you have two of you, now you have a problem. Who 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 wears the soul? Well, God God just magics up a new one. He yeah. knew it was going to happen That's after all, so he had that. another one. So is that other soul feelings. identical, uh, or is it a new baby soul? I mean, you've got how that it seems to me. <laughs> That in my Look, Christian they don't days, think this true anyway. So why are you trying to do their job for them? I'm just, well, I'm just saying this would have been a problem for me. And part of the part of the problem with Christianity and uh, science fiction is it doesn't take long uh, if you're enjoying sci-fi that you come to a trope where you say, "Wait a minute, that hmm. can't happen." And so you've got to kind of set yourself against that possibility because it goes against your other fantasy. Uh, and that that can become a problem if you're a sci-fi fan, because maybe you uh, would love to see a day where you could, uh, you know, clone or something like that. But you you just have to for, foreclose on that possibility. Um, so there there are better examples of this that we might get to if time permits. But I just wanted to just wanted to see if you guys ever had a thought like that. I mean, does that does that run a problem? By the way, Christians who who are still hanging in, uh, why, why? But if you're still there, um, hit me on the board. Is there is there a problem with substance dualism uh, and sci-fi cloning slash teleporting? Curious. Well, well I see I see one of two options happening here in a Christian universe which clearly doesn't exist but let's let's go with it for a moment either as darren said a new soul will be magical for the clone or god will somehow hamper the technology so that it never works right Mm -hmm. i think that's the one you got to go with i wonder if the uh the clone just wouldn't live under the christian mythology I mean, if you need a soul to lo- to um, survive, and you're just t- you're just cloning the physical stuff rather than the magical stuff as well, then would the clone just not work? Well, yeah, it wouldn't have any idea of the concepts such as love and hate, so it'd be easy to tell which one's the clone. 
Well, I guess it depends so, on what mythology you're using for the what the soul is, I suppose. So look, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and give Andrew uh, a shot at um, picking one of these life transfer holodeck. Um, uh, faster than light drives. Please pick faster than light drives. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, look, I, I've, my, I've got mind it. control, I've... mind reading. Uh, those are your choices. Okay, look, I I know you want FTL, uh, and and but I think I think life transfer is yeah. the is the more important. This is like but... giving Darren two picks. <laughs> so. Okay, look, I, I will go FTL. Just here, here's why I will change. Um, we have been essentially talking about life transfer with the transporter. Uh, I, I will go all the way to the wall and say that um, I don't care what the Christian notion. Oh, man, I'm not supposed to do this on the show. I don't care what the Christian notion of, of forever is. Science is going to crack the life transfer problem eventually okay fine uh, that, fine life sense. transfer life transfer that's that's fine I, I'm sorry, five, no 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 five five minutes on life transfer um <laughs> all right darren you're last uh so here's here's my thought about life transfer this is where altered uh carbon comes in for me i think actually that's uh my favorite um stories uh, about life transfer. So those who are not familiar with altered carbon, altered carbon uh, the way it works in this distant future uh, world is uh, people have what they call stacks, which is a, a technology stack in the back of their necks. And their personalities are basically uh, written on, uh, let's, just, let's just say computer chips uh, in there in those stacks. And the bodies... Uh, we just call the human body sleeves because you can you can be re-sleeved, uh, and you can do this theoretically uh, forever. The people who are old, uh, who were around when this stack technology was invented, they're called meths, which is not a drug reference; it's short for Methuselahs. Uh, so there's your biblical reference there. Um, and the only way to kill someone to for real dead. Uh, is to shoot them in the stack to destroy their um, stack, but it, it's a it's an interesting <laughs> world. They they blew their stack. No, really. Um, oh, they so, will stack. <laughs> so uh, this this idea uh, then basically being that you can reduce a human to um, to some form of transferable thing. Uh, and if you could do that, then theoretically you could continue to keep it going or continue to copy it, uh, and it would ultimately live mostly forever, uh, provided it doesn't get run over by a bus. Um, I, I think that this idea is realistic. So I'm going to vote uh, yes, this is possible given a long enough time frame. John, uh, no, uh, B.V. Larson has the Infinite Soldier series. Pretty, uh, pretty cool idea. You've got, um, you've got these soldiers that wear some kind of technology on their wrist. You know, it's just the magic box to get the plot started. Uh, but this, this, this technology that you wear on your wrist sort of records your life as you go along. 
uh, and it's constantly streaming your life back to uh, back to a stack, in essence, right? And uh, and when you die, uh, you know they just grow you a new body and put your recording inside as you're as you're being grown. Uh, process is pretty quick, and uh, and you you move on. Um, of course, the trouble is you can you can go crazy, right? So so there is a there's a fly in the ointment to this kind of thing. So suppose that um, suppose that you were kept in a prisoner of war camp, right? And and you were tortured and tortured and tortured to death. Um, being being revived. Uh, Orson Scott Card has a uh, a story like this in one of his Maps in the Mirror collections. It might be Maps in the Mirror too. Um, you know, so would you want to be able to be brought back to life? with the idea that you would have to carry all of your memories up to the last death. So are, do you have all of these memories as instant recall? So do you also have unlimited Ram or do you lose stuff because you have a limited hard drive? Uh, Depends sure on whether you're running works. a windows operating system. Or a hey, hey, system. hey, 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 <laughs> what's your language? You? Hey. <laughs> Um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to add to my answer. Uh, yes, I do believe that such is possible because I believe that humans are purely natural. And so I think that we will be able to find ways to uh, record memories. And I think that the sum total of humanity is memory. Uh, and so I think the thing that, you know, if you wanted to kill somebody, uh, the equivalent to killing someone would be to erase their memory, you know, run a magnet over their head and, and they're erased. It doesn't matter if their body is still alive or not. There's, uh, you blinked out the information, and I think the information is all that's important. So uh, will we find a way to uh, copy and save the information? Yes, I'm pretty sure that we will. Now, question, would I, would I want to be copied and restored? I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I think death um, is not that bad a, a thing. So I'm, I'm actually not sure if I'm on board uh, with um, this kind of infinite stack. But at any rate, uh, Matthew, before, before Darren uh, takes over for the next hour, um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you have? Um, uh, holodeck. Oh, no, I, uh, I meant on uh, life transfer. Oh, yeah. Um, you can't just, you can't just skip a subject. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, well, I don't really have a lot to say, but what you just said though was, was interesting. The bit you were just saying about memories, cause, oh dear, I'm going to science out now. Uh, our brains works quite differently to the whole memory process that, that you've just been describing. There's two parts to our memories. There's the bullet points which make up the history of the memory. And then there's our um, algorithm process which builds our memory from those bullet points. So there's two parts of that. So if mm. you break the bullet points but leave the algorithm part in place, well, then memories will be remade, but they'll obviously be radically different because the starting data is is 
mashed up. So you'll end up with very different. So um, going back to the whole clone thing, if you then clone someone and they've got exactly the same information, but you put them in different contexts and then ask them to recall a memory, those clones will recall that memory differently because the context in which they're in is going to affect the way the algorithm builds the memory from the same point data. So in which case, they're two different people. They're not clones of each other. I don't know how that answers your question because... It doesn't. I'm sorry I called on you, Darren. Uh, life, uh, <laughs> life transfer. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. David, before you, before you move on, I've got a question for all of you because I think Matthew's answer was pretty interesting. Mm. So the, the data point idea... These, these bullet points in memory, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. But I wonder, when we, it, it, seems, it seems sort of inevitable that in this, this trick that I think we will eventually learn how to do, this, this idea of, of transferring lives, because that's where we are. We're not on cloning. We're actually on the idea of transferring ourselves from... Right. Uh, one sleeve to another. Well, you know, choose your choose your metaphor. Right, and and I believe that um, our cells are fundamentally our brains attached to a nervous system, and I think sure. our brain can be copied. With a sophisticated so enough am, 3D printer. I yeah, look. Um, so largely, I'm in agreement. I, I think this, this, the result, what's printed, needs to be malleable. It's not set. But it it seems to me that one of the things that makes us all different just the just the four of us is not only that we have different memories right these these bullet points because none of us remember our lives perfectly right so i think our memories are sort of snapshots of important moments or whatever but but the algorithms that we all run are also um clearly different to the extent that that they fit in sort of uh they fit in sort of broad guidelines where we're humans right we have two hands and and two feet, we have a head and that sort of thing. And um, But the algorithm that does our memory recall is different for each of us. And this is the question then, with all of that as, as the background. If we could transport or transfer or rewrite these, these bulleted memories into another brain perfectly, um, it seems like the algorithm is just as important and I'm not mm -hmm. sure that that's not a much, much harder thing to get right perfectly. Darren, Darren so explain, question to, is, explain to them why they're wrong. The algorithm... Are you you if you're a different algorithm with the same memory? Algorithm is in the brain. It's in the material. Yeah. Uh, you, don't, you can't copy the brain exactly without copying the algorithm. I, I'm not, but my point is that when we're learning to do this trick, I don't think that we are going to copy the first brain perfectly. That is actually the point. And so yeah. are you you if you're an imperfect copy? Yeah, I don't know that the copying is going to be our first foray into it. Um, because... You're going to go all Tesla on us now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Okay, so we've already done the transhumanist podcasts i don't know if it was sns or unbelievable but yeah, it's uh, still unbelievable SG. but yeah so i'll try not to go over all of that but again but we did the... transhumanism on sns what is the matter with you guys we did transhumanism of was it on proscenium or was it on still unbelievable it was on 
it was on skeptics and seekers. It was you <laughs> and me and Darren and we did transhumanism. <laughs> Okay, so what what universe uh, is this? Wait a minute. Memory, what color is the uh, what color is the uh, Golden Gate Bridge? About memory. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but but is that a problem with the memory or the algorithm that recalls the memory? I I think it's the problem with someone is having something stronger than Diet Coke. Okay, I, I, I will. I I make no bones about it. I had uh, I had whiskey. Uh, up until just a couple of minutes ago when I finished it. Yes. <laughs> so I've been drinking the whole time. Um, okay. Sorry. Uh, sorry if it, if it was done on SNS. Apologies, Dave. But are you you if your brain is copied imperfectly? Because your brain is imperfect anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a, an issue of copying. I think it's mm. work, the first step is going to be replacing the biology of the brain with um, something a little bit more permanent. And I think um, it's going to be as it's going to be replaced piece by piece because most people are not going to feel that a copy is in is them moving forward. It's going to they're going to treat it like a copy. So I think that first step will be actually replacing the meat brain with something a little bit more permanent. And I think it's uh, because of that, it's eventually going to end up with something like ego from Guardian of the Galaxies. Um, where you, you just sort of keep building on top of that in layers. So I'm all on uh, with transhumanism. I, I'll I'll go piecemeal into the future. Happy to, uh, you know, happy happy to get that done. Um, so, but you don't think we're going to? Um, you you think that whatever the future of our extended lives is, the future is not a uh, is not conquering our biology it is conquering our technology i'm not sure if i understand the distinction there because i think conquering our biology is well a more permanent so you mentioned a more permanent medium uh, mm -hmm. by that by that i took to uh i inferred possibly incorrectly that you were implying something like solid state storage or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever is next down the line that is some sort of electronic medium versus a wetware medium. So if I misunderstood you, I, um, I sort of, yeah, sort of, I think what's going to happen is they're going to replace the biological neurons with the exact same thing, like literally the exact same thing, only built in uh, silicon rather than, uh, gray matter mm, mm, okay that's because, um the positronic positron, <laughs> the positronic brain uh yeah, bio gel packs <clears throat> yeah nice. i i just don't see it i just don't see copies being i mean maybe that's the first step for us before we figure out how to replace cells with um silicon-based cells but um I actually I just think don't it's going to be, be I don't think it'll be piecemeal. I think it'll be all at once. I think when we do it, uh, I think the piecemeal efforts will fail as we try to understand the various components. I think it's going to be more along the lines of what I said a little bit ago, the 3D printer. And it's so not to Darren, we are going to have to find the right materials uh, to feed in the printer. But I think it's going to be a matter of we we get the pattern 
um, all of it at once uh, and transfer it. Because I don't, so, I don't think it would work if it wasn't all of it at once. Destructive or non-destructive, Darren? So there, you know, there are two schools of thought here. Or David, you've read this stuff too. Matthew, any of the? Well, I know that the current, um, I, the latest idea I heard was that someone was saying that what they would end up doing was creating nanobots that would be able to attach themselves to each um, uh, neuron each entrance and exit point for the neuron for the electrical thing and then you drink that like in your coffee and so it uh the bloodstream takes it up into your uh, your brain they attach themselves and then they read the all the electrical impulses um as they're firing so you're voting non-destructive we won't have to take ourselves apart i don't think he said that it was non-destructive uh, you drink the wrong coffee uh it's like drinking the wrong kool-aid um Sure, you get a perfect scan, but it's <laughs> the but last see, thing you this, experience. This I, so, but see, there's there's the interesting bit, though, isn't it? So let's so you've got these you've got these nanobots, and uh, and all they are signal processors, and I don't have a problem with that. I think that's I think that's exactly right. These are just signal processors. They, they read the the inputs and outputs, make a recording. Uh, now, you. Uh, could you ever, for instance, um, take those nanobots and put them in somebody else's brain? You would have to destroy them no. or give them a second brain. You wouldn't be able to get them out of your brain. But see, no, I think okay. even that no, is destructive. Hold on, hold on, hold on, that's not right. No, you're way, you're way off. Because somehow you have to get that information into the new brain, into your own new brain. So, yeah, but I, the new brain is blank. Yeah, well, when we're talking nanobots, they're usually when they're imagined, they're usually able to propel themselves. Right. And wow. it, and the ones that I'm, the idea that I heard was that they'd actually be basically um, Wi-Fi connections for your neurons, basically giving your neurons sure. Wi-Fi capabilities. So it would be, all their information would be recorded onto some external sure. drive. And then it's uploaded, right, uh, somehow. To which the, which to is, the by the way, brain. I think how mind reading would work. Um, I'm not trying to sneak this topic in, but it, if but that communication would only be one way, though, wouldn't it? Those nanobots would read the signal and project it out. Not necessarily. Wi-Fi, depends why, on. I don't see why that yeah. would be. You, yeah. you think it would receive a signal and then replicate well, it as well? Well, how do you get it, it into a new brain mm -hmm. if you if you can't send it out? How so? You record it. How do you get it into a new, into a new meat bag, without being able to? I don't think you'd need to. I think uh, at that point you were talking uh, simulation on a computer. Okay, so that's uh, that's Frederick Pohl's Heechee series. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a computer. But well, yeah, but like, we're, I mean, we're your you're talking idea. about copy at that point, so. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to be copied in a computer. I don't want any part of me being a computer. But is there is there a way to take these memories that are you, this data that's been laid down on a tape, and put it in another body, not put it in another machine? Because I, 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 would, have, I would spend right. my entire life trying to destroy that data. I I could not existentially stand the idea of another me walking around in any form. 
Oh, well, th that's fine. I'll take your spot. So I'll have two <laughs> FPS yeah. running around. I'm awesome. The world can handle a couple of copies of me. No, <laughs> no, I, it just wouldn't be. No, there was. OK, so there's this uh, movie called The One. Uh, I can't remember what. Uh, Jelly. 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 Yeah. Yes. OK, uh, good. I didn't think anyone would uh, know that movie. Um, and the, the premise of The One uh, was there's there's a guy who this is a multiple universe um, movie and he has been found a way to travel to uh, all of the multiverses and he hunts down any version of himself and he kills him and he becomes more powerful. I would be that guy. I would, I, I simply could not tolerate uh, the idea of someone hmm. else who is me walking around hmm. in any universe. Um, I would take them out. That's interesting. That was great. That was multi universes, which is good fun with my favorite so, movie genre, which is kung fu. Which it yeah. was just a great movie. So yeah, David, which is also science it? fiction. Um, yeah, so David, <laughs> does your um, uh, idea make you the new Hunger Games? Uh, Five no. clones of David go into the ring. <laughs> no, it out. makes it makes <laughs> no because it would not be a fair fight. Uh, I would knife them in the back. Uh, <laughs> I, I am the only me. Yeah, uh, but they but they're exact copies of you. They think yeah, the but they way, wouldn't so be as strong be because the, the, the more of them I kill, the stronger I would be. I would I would be the one. Oh, come <laughs> it is come on, that. That. I, I think I think what you're looking for is the multiplicity trope: a copy of a copy of a copy. <laughs> so but, so we, but we're I not going to get into copying errors here either. Um, so uh, look, I I sorry to cut you off. Uh, uh, Andrew, I really could do this for six more hours, uh, but I I'm, really can't. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to. It's interesting. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to cut this down to one more plus the finale. Uh, so uh, <laughs> let's just see what votes we get: holodeck or faster than light. I'll go with FTL. Oh, yeah. holodeck. <laughs> um. So. I am going to withhold my vote so that it cannot possibly be a tie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Boo, yes, um, boo. Fine. Uh, so it comes down to who I like least, uh, Matthew or Darren. Uh, what was your What was your choice again, Darren? Uh, FTL drive. <laughs> okay, FTL it is. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I mean, okay, so. Matthew, you guys, I will, I will tell you that Holodeck was. You are that home. Was the, that was that oh, was yeah. the thing. I was. I would have gone with Holodeck, but I withheld my vote so that it couldn't be a tie. Uh, Holodeck so is actually probably more interesting. I'm, I'm still looking for a replacement on SU, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, look, man. After I, uh, you, you need a you need a new host after this whole thing about the sci-fi that you like i don't man. here's here's the thing we'll we'll, 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 we'll we'll touch on both of them we'll touch on both of them briefly but let's start with ftl uh, very quickly because ftl is honestly uh a mostly science topic uh a mostly is it conceivable to take matter faster uh than light because you know if you can get a particle to go faster than light you can get a person to go uh, faster than light, uh, theoretically. 
Uh, I am not sure that this is a a coherent idea. I I think I would like to see it, but I think that for me, the question, the most interesting question, really isn't is it possible, but what is it good for? Well, Absolutely I nothing. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's possible to get a person to go faster than light, but uh, have any of you heard of the, and I'll butcher this, but the Alcubierre yes. Warp Drive? Mikhail Alcubierre. Of yeah. course. Yep. So, and yep. that idea Sorry. isn't to get things going faster than light, it's to sort of bypass the whole thing and just warp space so that you're moving faster than light, but you're not actually, you're more like falling through space at a really fast, Right. Really arbitrarily fast, faster than the speed of light. Yeah, well, right. yeah, you're you're crumpling up space, um, and um, so it's like taking a piece of paper and um, and and folding it, and then you transfer it to you know another part of the fold, and then you unfold space again, and you're on the other side. Well, what I like about it is that it's actually mathematically possible to do this. I think the energy requirements are so enormous that um, it's not practical in yeah, any sense. Yeah, but what I don't understand is what what's what happens to the part of space that's warped. I mean, what if you were it's standing warped. in the part of the space that that's way. warped? Yeah, what it does is it simulates gravity, so gravity naturally warps space, and so you're right. just creating an, enough of a gravity well that you're warping space in such a way that you basically fall through space because it's almost it's mathematically impossible with the math we have right now as far as we know to actually move something faster than light mm. um, but space on the other hand can do whatever it wants so if you're modifying space then you can um, move through it right. and you're just uh, copying what already happens with and this is an entirely local modification it, it is um it is it is local to wherever this energy is is being expended and when the energy moves the warp moves as well and um so it's according to the way i've seen it described it's just a local phenomenon it it doesn't have the effect like the like the star trek episode where uh ships had been using this warp corridor for long enough that they'd eroded the fabric of space and put a rip in space it doesn't it, I, I haven't seen it described like that though though maybe i don't <laughs> see how it could not uh mess up space uh if you're constantly warping the same piece of it over and over but um, you're not that's that's the point you're creating a local space that that is only relevant to the object within that warp bubble. Okay, so uh, I I still return to the more interesting part of the question to me, which is, what good is it? Where are you uh, gonna Where are you gonna go? Uh, that's not anywhere you want. You, but where? But for what? What are you What are you actually looking for out there? Well, um, new planets. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, new new minerals. A good, um, great uh, spacescape for an uh, awesome nebula. Yeah. Um, I mean, you a, know, a piece of the universe where no I mean, one else is around, is it, so you don't have to worry about uh, any. It sounds like what you're actually looking for is Earth, uh, which you have. And you know, if you find another planet that's not Earth, how many generations will it take to fuck it up until it's Earth? Uh, I mean, the problem with, <laughs> I mean, the problem with <laughs> space travel is that the people going there will be humans. 
it's the problem with Earth is not Earth. The problem with Earth is humans. So I'm not entirely sure. It's very defeatist, though, right? Isn't it very defeatist? But it sounds more defeatist to say the only way to uh, to do better is to leave and go somewhere else. But where, wherever you go, there you are. Well, I plan on living until the heat death of the universe, so I've got to fill my time with something. <laughs> you know, I, look, I, I think um, we have an explorer instinct in us. And why, so, so why would we go to Mars? It's not even like Earth. Why, why do we go there? Why do we go to the moon? I don't why actually know, <laughs> to be honest. Because so, we can yeah, I mean, the because we can answer is, I guess, a part of the human experience. But as far as some practical reason to go to Mars, I can't think of it. Uh, maybe there's okay. a cure for cancer, but we would bring that cure back here. I'm not interested in colonizing well, Mars. But, with a, but, well, okay, but there are exoplanets out there that we're pretty sure, uh, we're already pretty sure there are exoplanets out there that are Earth-like. Right, but once again, you you know the most Earth-like planet of all, Earth. I'm already here. Actually, actually, no, I don't. Yeah, but it's not going to live forever. I don't. I don't know that this is the most Earth-like planet, and by that I mean there may very well be an ecosystem out there that is that is more compatible, that is less hostile so, to us than to, this one is. To ask the Christian uh, question, are you looking for heaven? Is that what you're doing? Are you are you Star Trek Five? Uh, looking for heaven planet because that doesn't end well um, <laughs> I, because some so, obscure verse in the back end of revelation suggests that maybe we need to invent space travel so that we can find so, somewhere else to live let me ask you a question if wherever you go there you are why do you ever leave your house well you know because I'm if serious. i sit i don't, on I don't have a, i don't have a starbucks in my flat. house um, well, but you can't. But no, see, that's actually the point, though. So you can have just about anything you want delivered, and and uh, and you can even have Starbucks delivered, and and so I really mean that. I don't think you mean what you said. I really well, think I really you do, do understand. At, at the end of every day, I come home, and when I go on vacation, okay, after after moved? a couple of days, you know where I want to be more than anywhere else, home. Have you ever <laughs> moved? Yeah, I've moved. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've lived in some shitholes. And so I've, so I've, that I've moved. So it's like a perfectly good reason to do some exploring, doesn't it? Well, but, you know, I think there's, I'm, I, am in, I am in earthling. You know, I'm not a mobiling. Uh, mobile is, uh, by the way, people, a place in Alabama. Um, don't, yeah, don't say that's just going to break the show. So here's the <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm an earthling and I have, you know, I was born in Mobile. Um, I have lived in Thomasville. Um, I've, I've spent more time than I needed to in Linwood. Uh, I've been to a lot of places that are not terribly desirable. And I've been to some nice places, but I've still stayed locally here on earth. I, I don't have any desire okay, to but, have some other experience. Okay, but you don't have an F are, are you saying that if there was an FTL drive available to you now, you wouldn't use it? No, I would hope that most of the people on Earth would use it and clear this place out a little bit. Because by and large, I like the, I like the place. Yeah, it's, so I will just... I so will when we have say, Mars Station 1... Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, Andrew, you I'm finish not, off your thought. 
I'm not going. I'm not getting on the ship. Um, I like it here. (laughs) So So when Mars Station 1 is up there and we've got our first colonists and it's going to be a one-way trip, whoever is there, and you get the phone call, you have just the right genes for the people that we want to make. I'm going to tell you what, if, if anyone calls I, me and tells me you're perfect for this experiment, they're, they're not meaning me any good. Uh, so, no. He doesn't know the genetics conversations we've had. That yeah, no, that's, that is simply not going to happen. I would not go to Mars. Uh, not... Even if you'd be paired up with L. McPherson? No, no, no. There are hotties aplenty on Earth. Uh, I like it here. I don't want to go to Mars. Mars is a bad place. There's nothing yeah, to eat but, but this potatoes. This would be a sure thing. Um, no. This is the whole warp drive faster than light problem for me. And I, you know, once again, I love a good space opera. But all they do in space operas is go to places like they've been and start the same wars that are here on Earth. There's not a single... There's not a single sci-fi drama that doesn't end in war some way or another. Uh, the but humans no. and the Klingons, the, the Babylon 5 and everybody else. It's, it's the same shit, just in a different place with bad replicated food. Darren, would you go? Well, my next body's going to be a starship, an intergalactic starship. So <laughs> I'm not Maybe. getting in that. Not, so so you, you've just ensured that I'm not getting on that thing. <laughs> I, will, I will go, and here's why I will go. Are you going to board Darren? <laughs> you're, you're talking to the wrong co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so here's why I would go. Because while it may be the case, it is probably the case, that war and famine, disease and pestilence will follow humanity. Nothing should stop us from looking for better conditions. We shouldn't give up on the ideal and give in to despair because history doesn't have to repeat itself. And somewhere in our tradition of exploration, hopefully, is the seed of solving human problems. And so I will take my ticket with my family and get on board. Okay. You might want to ask your family first. I'm just saying, <laughs> you're making some mighty big assumptions. But <laughs> well, no, yeah. so that is that is the condition, though, right? Because if they didn't go, I wouldn't go. I mean, that's that's, that's true. I, I mean, I, I could see your family standing there at the ship and handing you a, a nice salad and saying, "Hey, uh, don't forget your medicine." Send me a postcard. But look, I I think that all of that can happen here. Whatever we're looking for out there we can have here. I think we can have the cure here. I think that we can have, I think that we can have a a lack of scarcity here. I think that we can do a lot of things here. If we only would, I don't think the problem is the the environment that we're in. I think the problem is us. And I think that's fixable. At least I used to think it before this past week. Now I'm not so sure. So I don't, I don't know. 
uh, there may be a resource that we don't have here that we need from somewhere else. I don't say like that. Okay, okay. Uh, Darren, you win. Holodex, three minutes on Holodex, and, and we close with the ethics uh, questions. Um, Holodex, this Was is... Was that the sound of the Holodex opening? Well, yes. uh, that's that's the maintenance. <laughs> that's not that's not how it sounds normally. Okay, don't get in the holodeck if it makes that sound. <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody's working on it, but <laughs> okay. Uh, look, never mind the technology of the holodeck. Uh, we don't have time for that discussion. Let's just talk about the idea of the holodeck. The idea of the holodeck is that uh, it's a uh, a room that you can go into and simulate any environment. Uh, anywhere, anytime. And let's just, let's further assume that we are in a place where there's unlimited power. So we don't have to worry about the power going out uh, on the holodeck. Um, would you uh, go into the holodeck and never come out? I'm going to raise my hand and say, I would go into the holodeck and never come out. Uh, now I don't just lock you. the door so you're, behind me. So I'm assuming then that there is consumable foods to give you energy. It's a holodeck. You have everything you want. It is okay. synthetic heaven. Potentially. Yeah. So, so what would you ever need or want to do outside of a holodeck at that point? Well, as long as they've got the AI. Have a shower. Right. <laughs> Well, right, but it, so the AI, it, the the idea is that it it can simulate whatever you want. So it's uh, it's like taking the what is the red pill or the blue pill? I always forget this. I look it up and then I forget it the next time I uh, say it. But it's 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 like having the power of Neo, except you know that you're in a simulation. Uh, yeah. I would take the simulation. And, and I and I don't understand what you have in reality that's more compelling than that. Because it seems to me that what you're shooting for in reality is that. That's what we're working. If that's not what we're working for, why are we working? Why do I go to work? I work every day. By the way, I have to, I have to work uh, today. Um, I'm not done with my work. I got to finish. So why do we go to work? Well, we go to work to make money. Why do we want to make money? We want to make money to buy things that we want to have a, the kind of life that we want. If you've already got that life, what are you, what is it that you're wanting at that point? I, I, I suspect it'll be the knowledge that it's not inverted commas reality that would be the trigger. I, I think there's something about humanity that, regardless of how imperfect something is, if it's what it is, if it is reality, if it is real, then that is what we would want. And I think we would miss the knowledge of something that's real. So you're saying you would take the shitty pill? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think I would, <laughs> I would probably follow you in and shut the door behind me. But at some point, I'll go. This isn't real. Maybe I want a bit of reality. Fine, I would say, uh, Holodeck, uh, this isn't real. Can you turn up the heat a little bit? Uh, give me some mobsters, but keep the safety on. <laughs> I don't actually want to get killed, but let's let's have some adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's the other thing in in the holodeck all moral laws are off really and i think that kind of life might get tiresome after a while well but you see well, this it... this gets into the last question so i'm just gonna hold, hold that back for a little bit uh andrew <laughs> you've been mighty quiet holodeck yes no i don't i don't see any difference uh, between wanting a holodeck 
and our constant search for something better, either here on Earth or uh, on a starship looking for it elsewhere. So in that way, uh, I think we're I think we're in agreement. Would I would I go into I, I think my answer to going into a holodeck forever is the same answer that I ask about every day of my life. To what extent can I control my own destiny? To what extent is it controlled by others? And by going into the holodeck, uh, do I achieve some sort of thriving that I can't achieve here? And if the answer to that is yes, then in I go. If the answer to the holodeck is uh, I just get to do this longer, um, you know, but but there's no hope of a better outcome, uh, then the answer is probably no. So if the if the hollow deck is is heaven, and it really is for everybody, right? Because there's we're all humanists, uh, and the truth I think among all four of us is we wouldn't take a perfect utopian universe for ourselves if it negatively impacted everyone else. So if the answer is the hollow deck is good for us all. Hell yeah, sign me up. But that's the same reason I would do any exploration. Well, but this is the thing. In, in Neo's um, universe, let's say the machines came to us and offered us a deal. You know, I'm, I'm going to hook mm. you up to some stuff, and I'm going to suck the life out of your body, but I'm going to make sure you live for a long time, and you're going to have at least the illusion of a long life. Uh, in exchange, I'm going to give you this perfect holodeck world. And I'll even let you be aware of it enough to have some superpowers and control the world. I will take that deal. I will rip the cords out of their shiny metal ass and shove it in my head before they can finish a sentence. You bet. I'm in. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, we've got different versions of the holodeck that we're sort of kicking around here. Um, Careful, you'll hurt it. Don't kick it. <laughs> it's it's so, not a Mac. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so, so the Star Trek holodeck, um, I wouldn't get on that fucker. Because it well, breaks every other episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Our family-friendly rating is gone. It, my, my apologies. That really was sort of... No, I would not get on the Star Trek holodeck. Sure, but um, you would, but you would take the the blue pill. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, um, but see, that's the. But there's a problem there, isn't there? Because that's a in that holodeck. Uh, oh, well, now wait a minute. So, are you talking about taking the pill Neo took and actually getting exposed to what reality no, really was? No, no, I'm or talking taking, about. Oh, you're taking the other pill. Yeah, and taking the other out. pill, and then you go gotcha. back in and you have a nice steak dinner. <laughs> that's the pill. <laughs> uh, man, that's a that's a. See, the trouble is I saw the movie. <laughs> so now it's, it's sort of hard to imagine. They Aaron, should have just given in to the machines. That's all I'm saying. The machines <laughs> offered a good deal. Yeah, I don't know. I think the, the biggest problem is, is we've got the, all the technology and resources to do a holodeck. Then there's no reason why, except for the, having superpowers, there's really no reason why we couldn't create a reality we couldn't combine the two, reality and holodeck, to create um, basically the hol holodeck experience in reality. 
about. Well, not really. Right. And so thank you for introducing the last topic, uh, which is um, <clears throat> what would Sorry. ethics be uh, in a post-scarcity world? What would it even mean? Um, and so in a holodeck world, uh, it, it, let's, let's just set your last suggestion aside for a moment, uh, Darren. In a holodeck world, let's just say I'm the only one in my holodeck. So it is utter solipsism. There, there can be no sense of ethics there. Because it doesn't matter what I do. There are zero consequences and zero people get hurt. Uh, I could be a mass murdering pedophile and uh, and and a priest and and, mm. and still be in fine in in the holodeck. Um, Depends on how good your AI is. It would be good. It would be, it would be very good. Yeah. Top top notch. And if it's if it's achieved sentience, then you would still have the problem. Okay, it's not almost almost. Mm. It would be almost top notch. Um, you know, <laughs> slightly better, slightly better than the Enterprise holiday. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, this is yeah. what I'm saying is the only, the only context where ethics even makes sense is if you have an imperfect world. Um, so I, you know, we uh -huh. talked about this a little bit on SNS in heaven, ethics don't mean anything. Uh, what are what are we doing? We don't. You don't need to be patient in heaven, as if there are long lines and you gotta, you know, stand around for a million years waiting to get to the ice cream machine. That's so you don't you don't need patience there. You don't need compassion because you don't have to give beggars any money uh, in heaven. I don't. I don't even know what ethics means in a scenario like that. And if you do we, need compassion, though. You do. Well, well. So, so tell me about it. Tell me about okay, ethics sure. in in a perfect world. Well, okay. So uh, what I understood the question to be was, was ethics in a post scarcity world, not ethics in a perfect world. Well, okay. Um, I'm, so I'm a little loose me, well, with the language here. Well, so, so I, I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm just trying to give an answer in the context of which, in, in which I understood the question. So, in a post-scarcity world, um, John Ringo has a book series called The Empire of Man. The first book is There Will Be Dragons. So if you're listening and you're looking for a good read, that's a good read. Um, here's the problem. So in, in this book, he explores the idea of a post-scarcity world. They, they live in a post-scarcity world, but the world is nonetheless uh, imperfect. This is the same idea we were discussing when we were talking about faster than light. Travel. You said, look, uh, all of our problems are still going with us. And, and so when you think about FTL, that's sort of the post-scarcity world or what we hope would be a post-scarcity world. You were right to point out that in a post-scarcity world, our problems, war and mistreatment, uh, uh, the, the sort of awful things that we do to each other, those things can still continue in a post-scarcity world. And so the ethics of, of human thriving don't depend uh, meaningfully, as far as I can tell, on scarcity or not. So let me, let me just it, jump in right there, because I, okay. I think we have a debate, uh, a disagreement uh, here. Maybe uh, Matt and Darren can 
see the shape of it and weigh in. So I think that uh, part of the problem with all of our uh, favorite science fiction stuff, uh, when you look at the stuff that tries to be a utopia anyway, uh, they have all of this high technology, but they still end up in wars, and they have, uh, you know, have civilizations there that are warlike, say the Klingons or the you know, Tellarites or, or what have you, the Nausicans. Uh and they all live in this kind of post scarcity world. This is a this is a problem though with the writing. I, I think that if if they had thought about it more consistently. There's no reason for Klingons to be warlike, because all of the Klingon worlds that they go to war with and capture would have the same replicator technology. They all, they all have food. They don't need uh, overlords. The Klingons don't need overlords. They can uh, they can conquer as many worlds as they want to on their uh, holodecks. There's no there's no sense of a reason for any war or conflict in all of these shows. And I think that a true post-scarcity world where everyone had the same access to the same everything, I think that we would have a hard time coming up with reasons for conflict. Uh, And so, you know, one of the reasons these shows are successful is because, you know, we write in the human story into these things. But I think that if we actually got to that world, it wouldn't be the human story anymore. I've got a question for you um, so that, because I think there's something that's going to be hard to answer here. In your version of the holodeck, I know you're handing this off to, to Darren and Matthew, so I'm happy to leave it for this question. Oh, no, I, you know, I just want to make sure that they understand the shape of the disagreement that we're having so that they can weigh in. Sure, sure. And, and so here's the thing that I'm not sure, I don't know if I understand you correctly. So when we're all on the holodeck, is it the case in in the way that you conceptualize the holodeck that there is no sense in which uh, one person could victimize another because the holodeck would intervene somehow? So no, um, I, uh, I slavery, can, sexual I, I, my own holodeck. No, no one's in my holodeck. You're not in my holodeck. You're in your oh, own damn holodeck. You I, don't want okay, you don't want to okay. step in that. That's well, that's my holodeck, brother. Um, <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> so, so I didn't understand. So I didn't quite. Understand I assure that, you, I don't want to walk into any holodeck that you have been in for more than five minutes. I'm not going in there. Hey, <laughs> look, uh, I, I guarantee you, coronavirus restrictions are tame by comparison. Okay. Okay. They don't pay cleaning crews enough to go in there and, and clean that stuff. I'm not going in. That's, that's Every right. one of us has a holodeck. No, okay, but, but but see. That's a, okay, so in the Star Trek universe, this is what I didn't understand about what you're saying. In the Star Trek universe, people do share the holodeck. I mean, sometimes they don't, right? But sometimes they do. So like Picard and the detective stories, that kind right. of thing. Plenty of times where they do share. And so uh, my answer is largely in regard to sharing a holodeck in the same way that uh, so it was true in the Matrix that everybody was sharing the Matrix, right? It was possible for people to victimize each other. And even though it's a post-scarcity world, uh, people are still sharing a space. They can have whatever they want, but sometimes what people want is to victimize others. And I don't think post-scarcity fixes that. Right. Well, and, and this, individual is, this is where holodeck. you combine the holodeck with that. Because if you want to victimize someone, and that's just how you're wired... The holodeck can give you people to victimize. And from your perspective, you might think you're victimizing real people. So you're satisfied and ethics is satisfied. 
Okay, so I promised to leave it. Um, so, so I am. I just wanted to clear up that point. Um, individual hollow deck, not shared hollow. Sure. So I'm just I'm not sure how to even imagine this kind of post scarcity science fiction world that we're talking about, and and ethics in the same breath because it seems to me that ethics is a way that humans uh, uh, that humans interact when there is scarcity in the world and we have to somehow share resources. And so we have uh, this, uh, these, these mores and axioms and ideas uh, that help us live together in a, in a world where there's scarcity. But if you remove the scarcity, you move most of the cause for ethics in the first place. Yeah, but there's still religion. I mean, uh, it's been a pretty, I think as long as you have religion, you're going to have people insisting that everyone else live by their rules. And I don't think that's a necessarily a scarcity um, application of ethics, although I do agree that most of our ethical concerns would go away in a post-scarcity world. But you still have ethics, which is people interacting with other people. So in order to have your perfect world, you still have to have people actively not trying to fuck things up. Right. Well, and, and so for them, the, uh, you know, prisons would be holodecks. <laughs> and you, and you put those, you put the religious people in their own, uh, their own little, uh, 10 by 10 room. Right. But that's an ethical decision, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, because I would think that, they would be, it would be a way for them to be happy. And, you know, I would, I would even take back my promise to, to kill all versions of me and allow them to, you know, boss me around in their holodeck world. Uh, but I would also nail the door behind them um, so that, <laughs> so that there's no crossover with them uh, in my world. So any real world where you have to share where, okay, the one resource that you share in a real world is space. And it's not that we don't all have McMansions, but if you're going to be social creatures, you have to get together from time to time. And so that's the only time that you kind of have to share space with each other. And that is only on a voluntary basis. And I suppose what you're talking about are religious people who could maybe control um, that situation so that you have to be in their space. You have to listen to them. You have to do things that they tell you to do. But if, if religion, if they could not do that, if they could just believe crazy things, I don't have a problem with that. But this is a problem yeah, with they're religion. Never satisfied with just you know, that. They're, never, they're never satisfied with just believing things uh, about the universe, they religion requires them to enforce it on you. They it requires them to make you believe it. And part of that viral meme in religion is that they believe that you are lost in some way, and so it they are compelled to take their religion to you. That's that's the virus uh, of it. That's how it spreads. They they think that they are doing a nice thing for you. Uh, by, by, by making you listen and changing you, and so I, I think that maybe 
the most controversial thing I would say is in a perfect world, there can be no religionists. Yeah. Well, if you're I'd in your own individual holodeck. World. Yeah, amen. Um, if you're in your own individual holodeck, you don't have to have, or, or you can have as many religious people as you want, right? Well, There'll be no the human religion, interaction and the race will die out. Religions, religious people wouldn't be satisfied with being in their own holodeck, though. Even if their holodeck was heaven, if it was the quote-unquote goal that they were looking for, I think the religious mindset says, I've got to go save all of those other people in their, in their holodecks. It's, it's, I think Matthew it's had a good enough. point, though. Right. Matthew had a good point, though. The, uh, we might, uh, barring some other technology that's not the holodeck, we would die out if we were all in individual holodecks, barring some non-holodeck technology that keeps the race going. Depends on how good your AIs are. That's true. And we would all die out yeah. eventually. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, because frankly, I know this is going to sound terribly selfish, but when I die, the universe is dead, uh, from my perspective. And so I'm, I'm not worried about the universe past me. <laughs> this, I'm this, fucking walking over and turning the switch off on your holiday. This, <laughs> this, this universe has about 20 years to live as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, I mean, you can talk about the heat death of the universe. The heat death is coming a lot sooner than you think. Um, from um, my, pers from my perspective, <laughs> so if we're all in our own individual holodecks, I mean, just, let's just be real. It doesn't matter, um, if the human race dies out or not, uh, we have our fantasy that we are living well. We have our happy marriage or marriages or multiple marriages. Uh, we have our kids and grandkids and that all happens until we die. And I'm not entirely sure why any of the rest of it matters after that. So, so you would really be okay if the race died out after you died? I mean, I realize you wouldn't know that it happened, so you wouldn't care in that sense. But you would really be fine if everyone died at the moment you did. You, uh, you wouldn't see any reason so for the race to go on. You're trying to ask me an ethical on. question here. Here's the thing. <laughs> um, Sorry, I don't. I don't care if the race dies out now. Uh, uh, so yeah. this is, this is maybe, um, the part about me that you're missing. Uh, the, the, I don't think that humanity is that special. Uh, now I'm not a nihilist. Um, you know, I think that we should grab as much gusto as we can while we're here, but I'm pretty sure that there are about 50 billion species who came before us who thought they were pretty special too. Uh, they're, we don't even remember their names. They never had names, uh, as far as we're concerned. Uh, did the universe right, keep but going? Right, plead for their death. Well, I, but it's not a matter of pleading for their death. It's that their death is an inevitable reality. Uh, this is reality. Uh, species come and they go, and they die. Uh, and humans have this idea that somehow we've got a special place in the universe and that it's really about us and that something really tragic will have happened in the universe. If we die out, it will not be any more tragic than the other 50 million species that have died before us. Um, so in that sense, in, in that sense, I don't find humanity that special. I don't think that we have any greater lease on life than anyone else did. Now, if we can hang on to it longer, great. I'm pulling for us, but I'm not heartbroken. So if asteroid comes and knocks us all out tomorrow, so, yeah, we're in, we're in very different places on that um, because I don't think we have to plead 
for the uh, for a special humanity in order to plea for individual survival. I, I don't know what you mean. So I'm not pleading for uh, uh, special humanity individuals. I don't I don't know what you mean. I'm happy for humans to survive. I'm happy for every human to survive as long as they can and as long as they're enjoying the ride. But as far as humanity as a species having some special lease or special right to survive uh, as opposed to some other species, no, I don't think so. And so in the same way that other species have died out, we will die out eventually too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how other species got into the mix. Um, so uh, the point about individual survival is only this. Um, when I die, I, I am living a life where hopefully it has made it easier for the people after me to continue on. Um, and I would be quite concerned if I thought that when I died, everyone else died. That would, um, that would concern me. I would ask myself, is there something I could do uh, to, to make sure that other individuals could continue yeah, if, well, if they wanted? I'm not trying to drag and, everyone to their death when I died out of some kind of spite, but you were asking me if, I, if that would bother me. And I'm, just, I'm just trying to put it in a broader context. It's, it's, my own death doesn't bother me that much. Um, right. And so when you when you say, well, what, what about the death of the people that I love? You know, if I let's say I die tomorrow, and get hit by a bus uh, altogether possible since I ride buses. Does uh, you know, would I be heartbroken if at the same time my parents died because they were connected to me spiritually in some way? Well, I would not I would not want that and I would want to live as long as I could so that they could live as long as they could. But at the end of the day, we are all going to die. Uh, but that's and I not just, the question though, right? Then I don't understand I mean, the question. So so nobody questions whether we're all going to die. It is the broader context that uh, it is the broader context that does matter. Um so hopefully we are uh, you know, good humanist, if we are, uh, living our lives in I such a not. way that we are, what's that? Sorry. I am not. Okay, <laughs> so. well, so um, hopefully we are living our lives in a way uh, that creates flourishing and survival. And if the, if the view is that it's all, uh, you know, it's all the same, it doesn't matter, and the outcome is going to be what it is, and it's all inevitable, okay, I don't share that view. Um, and, and it's okay. We've got different perspectives on the broader picture. Yeah, but I don't, but I don't it's know not that, that I, have, I am. I don't know that I have actually voiced my perspective well, if that's what you come away with, though. Uh, so you, you have to understand where my starting point was. Um, so we were, we were in a holodeck, and we're each in a holodeck. And the question, I think, came from Matthew, I think it was. Wouldn't, this is your fault, Matthew. Wouldn't we all die? <laughs> well, it's always the... the European. Um, so I'm not even wearing my red shirt either. Would we, you know, oh, would, nice call to John Scalzi. Wouldn't uh, thumbs up uh, to John Scalzi too. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the the question is, wouldn't we all die out if we did the holodeck future? And the answer is mm. yes, we would all die out. But that's just one of the ways that humanity would die out. 
And I think that the holodeck way of humanity dying out might, in fact, be the gentler way mm. to die okay, out. Okay, so I do see how you got there. That's um, So if this is all on the back of, um, you know, human beings would die out if we were on individual holodecks without some other technology that continues the race. Um Fair enough. I didn't understand the answer fully in that context. Yeah, and from Darren's perspective, we wouldn't die out because the holodecks would just be, uh, you know, becoming more sentient all the time. And so the human race digital version would go on. Well, we used to be marmots, so... Depends if the holodeck automatically switches off when there's no human presence. (laughs) So, you know, that's... uh, So there you have it. I, um... uh, Guys, it's been great. Uh, so final. I've just final got one thoughts. more thing. Okay. Yeah, final thought: cloning. Cloning is possible. I've just proved it. Huh. I'm, I'm sorry. I missed. I missed your proof. <laughs> can, can you send that over in, uh, the email? <laughs> Damn! Wouldn't you know the first clone would be a Brit? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you mean. That's David. Um. My. So let's let's I'll let's prepare the joke. The joke clearly didn't work. I apologize. I'll try again next time. It landed like a damp squid. Um, <laughs> That's the British sense of humor for you. <laughs> let's 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 we do subtlety. Wrap up with some final thoughts. I've actually I actually had a final thought, and uh, I didn't write it down, and I thought it would be so profound that I would. It got uploaded to the matrix. Maintain it. Um, but I, so let me just say this. I love sci-fi uh, and I enjoy fantasy too, although we didn't talk much about fantasy. I think that sci-fi captivates me more than fantasy because sci-fi offers the titillating possibility that that this could be. You know, if you look at it just right, um, you know, maybe there's a path forward here. Fantasy doesn't offer that. Fantasy is a good story. It's a nice um, romp, you know, a good adventure. But at the end of it, it's it's hard to see yourself there. Uh, and sci-fi is about the future. Uh, and you can see yourself there. And so what I what I want to say about sci-fi, the, obser- the observation that I make, you've got basically two kinds of stories that ultimately end up in one kind of story, if you ask me. You've got utopia and dystopia. Uh, Utopia is the vision of the future where everything uh, works out well. And dystopia is a vision of the future where everything doesn't work out well. And I guess you have maybe something in the middle um, that's neither utopic or dystopic. It's just the way things are only imagined out in the future a few hundred years and it's still the same old shit different day uh which to me is actually kind of dystopic uh so i would i would actually put that in the dystopia category and at the end of the day so uh andrew maybe you'll recall although since you since you think the transhumanist conversation happened on a different podcast maybe you don't recall this conversation (laughs) at all um please rearrange the following words into a phrase you understand (laughs) you you and i had a long and wonderful conversation about utopias yes Um, in fact we've had a couple of them we, we did one on mike 
We did. We did. We recorded it. It's on Skeptics and Seek. Does yeah, anyone listen to this damn show? But but we have been talking about Utopia. We're only here for the pictures, least, David. We've been talking about Utopias at least since two thousand seven, though. Yes. Uh, look, it's a it's a very important topic to me. It's not just an interesting topic to me because as a Christian, you know, the the Christian idea is a, a certain kind of utopia. Uh, and I was a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was a kid. Uh, and I very much bought into the vision. But the conclusion that uh, I came to when we had that show was I no longer believe in utopia. I don't think utopia is possible. Yeah. And that was that was kind of a sad reality for me. And so as I watched sci-fi and read sci-fi, um, I see very few utopias. Gene Roddenberry tried to create a utopia, but it seems like in every iteration of Star Trek, it still ends up being same shit, different different location. Uh, when it when it all comes down to it, you still have mental illness, you still have prisons, <laughs> humans are still committing crimes, uh, oftentimes for money, which doesn't even exist in the Federation. You, they still go to war with half the people they've run into in space. It's you can't create a utopia that lasts um and so i thought about taking on the the project myself creating a utopia writing a, a fiction that was a pure utopia series and it dies at the concept because think It'll about be it fucking boring that's exactly right what do you how do you write it this is why no one can do it even if they want to do it a utopia is okay. I have everything I want. My neighbors are happy. They have everything I want. We like. We enjoy spending time together. Uh, the end. This is why fairy tales end with happily ever after. They don't start that way. They don't go through that way. It's it's just that by the time you get to happily ever after, you have nothing else to say. Th this is the problem. It's mm. the reason we can't envision a utopia in our fiction is because it's just not real. And at the end of the day, I think all we have uh, is the struggle. And I hate to sound like Kirk here, but all we have is the struggle. And maybe it is true that we need our pain and we can't envision anything more. And I think that this is a... a a very hard message for the Christian because the Christian needs to pretend like there's something more around the corner. There's something better in some other life, in some other world, in some other universe. And uh, even for the atheist, as we sit around here mentally masturbating over our favorite and least favorite um, sci-fi, we still can't really come up with a utopia that is better than the same shit, different location, faster than light. Uh, so that is that is kind of depressing, but I think at the end of the day, what sci-fi really does for me is it makes me appreciate the reality that I have. And it makes me try to make the most out of every day and every minute of the day with the people that I have around me because it's not going to get better 100 years from now. You just made a wonderful, impassioned... Um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cell of reality. Five minutes after you said that you would live in a holodeck forever. Yes, I understand that, but no one's no one's knocking on my door offering me the holodeck experience. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were asking me if I remembered things. <laughs> <laughs> 
So whoever uh, else has a final thought. Um, I want to jump, jump right in uh, after that. I absolutely agree with everything you, you've just said, David. The reason why uh, you, uh, dystopian stories work is because they're interesting. Things happen. There is a scale and there is a journey and there is something to strive for and aim for. In the utopian world, you don't have any of that. Now, if we try to make into reality, let's say every human being on the planet all agreed that everything that they don't like would be erased from the planet. So the, all we have now in reality is this stuff that we do like. What happens is the stuff that we like the least will suddenly become the stuff that we don't like. And then we'll be back exactly to the same thing again. The only way to have a utopia is if everything is equal. And that just is neither realistic nor feasible nor possible. Heaven can't exist on that basis. The reason that I is sad. I, just a second. Uh, I just, sure. Uh, sure. you know, staring in the face sure. of um, Matt here because he dares show his face um, on the podcast. Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous. Uh, and by the way, I think that is one of the finest human suits I've seen. Um Wow. Much, much, much better than the human suits on Men in Black. It's um, it's it's the wrong color, but it's got the wrong hairstyle. But other than that, it's all right. It's it's good. Um, it's it's a sad. It on the one hand, our conclusion is sad, but on the other hand, it's hopeful, because the real hope is, uh, yes, we can set this fantasy aside, but the real adventure is right in front of us. Uh, that's that's the adventure. If, if I had warp speed, I would go to your house and give you a hug. That's what I would do. Virtual mate. So I don't read, Darren, you're gonna, you're gonna get the last word. Um, I don't read science fiction necessarily because it transports, be, uh, transports me to worlds that I want to be in. And I don't read it because it teaches me about dystopia that is possible. I sincerely believe that science fiction, good science fiction, is written by some of the best minds among us. And I read science fiction for the same reason that I read a textbook. What we all want, at least, at least some of the time, no matter how great our own thoughts are, is to think the great thoughts that others have thought before us. And so I read science fiction, even, even the really bad science fiction, because that is the place, even more than fantasy, science fiction is the place where we try to understand what it means to be us and what it means to be us in the future. I don't think there's going to be a utopia. So fully agreed there. I also don't think we will ever be fully dystopic. Uh, this election cycle notwithstanding. And, and so if we have salvation, it doesn't come from a 2,000 or 3,000-year-old book. Our salvation will come from within our own thoughts. 
And as far as I have read, many of our greatest thoughts, maybe even most of our greatest thoughts, are in science fiction. And I am completely opposite all three of you. Um, Sacrilege. I know, right? I am... Honorary Brit. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think Utopia is, um, is impossible, although I'll never be a Brit, so maybe it is. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think Utopia is impossible. I think it just isn't put into our science fiction because, as David said, it it's boring. <laughs> you know, you don't have epic uh, battle fights that get the adrenaline going while you're sitting there watching it. You don't have um, you know awesome uh, epic space scenes that uh, look great on the screen or in your imagination. You just have some guys playing video games for all eternity. Um, and I think that for me, sci-fi is exactly that. It's just a way to get the adrenaline pumping, a way to uh, get the imagination going for my own creative processes. Um, and I mean, I don't care that you know, in 500 years, we're not going to, as a human species, we're not going to um, have ships with human humans inside of them because space travel with human meat bags is just not going to be practical or anything else. It's either going to be completely AI driven with, uh, um, or it's going to be humans without the meat sack. Um, I, I think this idea of aliens traveling in a Millennium Falcon is just completely ridiculous. But I love watching the space battles and the and the special effects. And for me, that's what science fiction is. It's just a way to escape and uh, get the creative juices flowing. I don't think it's any it has anything to do with what our future is actually going to look like because the people writing the stories have to relate to who we are now and not who we are actually going to be in 500 years. I don't even want to be that person you're describing though in 500 years. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to play video games. I don't, do I have to? No. Uh, I mean, there would be no skeptics and seekers in this perfect world. I mean, who who would I argue with? <laughs> Why? What would an argument even look like? <laughs> I don't. I don't uh, want, you I, definitely need to read Dennis A. Taylor's. I don't. I don't want to live uh, in Bob this universe. Books to <laughs> I am. Figure out I am happy to just die out in my holotech in the you know just. Just nuke it when I'm done, okay? Don't even try to clean it. Don't don't use it, don't use it for the next person. <laughs> um, so look, uh, guys, that's um, uh, one of uh, this will go down as one of my favorite episodes of Skeptics and Seekers. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, next week uh, we will actually have a real subject. I'm not entirely sure what we're jumping into, um, but we will actually have a real subject about. Uh, something and it will be uh fun and stressful and uh all of that but i just i needed a break <laughs> uh 
Um, well, you said superheroes was next week, right? Not next week, but it'll be the next time I absolutely have to get get a get a uh, a lube of my emotions. So, uh, if if there is anyone out there uh, who would like to replace the Brit and the Yank uh, for a superhero spectacular, um, Doctor Who is the best superhero. Yeah, that so we'll be replacing that. Uh and um like I said, I, I think I think somewhere in the southern uni- uh, United States there will be an opening um as well. Darren just Darren, you heroes. you barely wow. get invited back to the um to the superhero spectacular. Um <laughs> so um yeah, give give me two fresh uh Fresh folks there. Uh, Christians, uh, you are welcome to attend he, if you're geek enough. Was he, Darren's been, Darren's been, this is perfect. This is, I've only just thought about it. This is so perfect. It's awesome. Darren's been doing alpha on SU. Then you can come over to Skeptics and Seekers and do alphas. <laughs> By the and, way, and with those, that, <laughs> for, for with those that. who are fans, there's a new book coming out, Ready Player Two. Oh, Ernest what, what is he gonna? What is he gonna do? Uh, explore the '90s? Uh, insert another okay, ten p okay. piece. Look, look, I, I cannot. I honestly cannot imagine how it's going to be a good book. Right? It seems to me like he's making a play for Holly, uh, for Halliday's fortune. In Maybe he could actually just say something uh, useful about the universe that they're in. Maybe how it how it went to hell. Oh, what's the, what's oh. the solution? What are they? He said absolutely nothing of use in the book. Let's play video games and go he, home. He said uh, the second sixty four, and that is that is yes. the, the second book should um, have been called Computer Up. You you see why we need some replacements? We need some. Just raise your hand in the comments. Uh, we'll, we'll be putting on a superhero show probably sooner than I had imagined. Uh, Ready Player Two, if you liked the book Ready Player One. Yeah. I haven't even seen the film yet. Uh, and I will just uh. I will just give you a heads up right now, people. My favorite superhero of all time is Kick-Ass. Uh, huh. So, uh, maybe followed closely by Deadpool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I Iron Man. I, I like no, no one. No heroes. one cares. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. Not uh, the first time I've heard that. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and um, uh, cut cut this uh, off here. I've had to take a whiz for about an hour and a half, and uh, and this has not helped. <laughs> this has not helped. So. Um, I'm going to do that, and then I'm, it's 5.11. I'm going to finish my damn job, and then when I'm done with that uh, at about 8 o'clock tonight, I am going to go to bed and get up at 4 in the morning and edit this and put it on uh, the site, and I will email you guys when it is up on the site, uh, awesome. and that way you you may go in and... See, see what they are saying about you. <laughs> they'll just tell me, they'll, they'll, they'll mock me for my, my opinions, but they'll tell me I have a lovely accent. So why do I need to read the comments? You know, that's not usually what they say when you're on the show. But um, 
Sure, we can go with that. Uh, alternate universe, uh, <laughs> sure. 